Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Hey guys, brand new po- podcast. Yeah. I, maybe I should SSR this. ASMR? ASMR? Yeah. Ask to what? Ask to mouth to... Audio what? sensory meridian response. Hey guys, brand new podcast. Pickles. I'm on the road. Go to burpburpburp.com to see my tour dates. We are in St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, and Milwaukee. Coming up, Minneapolis, Rockford, and Cleveland. Cleveland, I will be at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. But more importantly, my buddy, Dane Cook, will be at the Wang uh, October 29th and 30th. 29th and 30th. Get your tickets. He's filming a special. He is my guest. He really needs no introduction. Uh, we talk about everything you think we would talk about and some things you really wouldn't expect us talking about. Um, we talk about acting. We talk about movies, we talk about serious acting. We talk about directing. We talk about him, uh, being the face of stand-up comedy. And we talk about how he seemingly kind of just dodged dealing with haters, like, and, and kind of rose above it, which is so fucking insane when you think about it ladies and gentlemen i'm not gonna waste your time maybe one of the best comics of our generation put your hands together for my buddy dane cook this is No, the top one. Top one to the right. This one? Yeah. Can I see it for just a yeah, quick second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time crunches. No, I'm not on time crunch at all. Let's see this real quick. Yeah, I've been playing since I was 15, so it's like... Forgot. Yeah. I forgot you can legit play. I love guitar. Do you still play? All the time. Here, you hop on. Is, dude, it's the one thing. Sorry, I'm so much. Yeah. It's the one thing that. It's the literally the one thing that. I don't, I'm not competitive with it with myself. I'm not trying to like. You cool for short rolling? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, that's a, that's what they say about and, hobbies. And if there's a water, Here's right there, right there. Like this death. is what. Yeah. Oh shit. That's that's, that's what they say about hobbies. Is that. It gets your mind out of being in the bit, like, like all the other stuff that comes along with the business, right. like tour dates, sales, and all that shit. When you have breakdowns, I just, I, re- <laughs> I just had a fucking, uh, 
What's that sound? You know what we need? We need like a sound to legend thing at the bottom. Like what each sound actually represents to us. Jesus. I've got a bunch of them right now. I, uh, but that's what they said. My therapist who was like, you need a hobby. And I was like, oh, I do stand up. And then she's like, that's not, he's like, that's not a hobby. I go, well, right. I write jokes. That's my thing. Right. And he goes, that's not a hobby. I go edit videos. He's yeah. like, no, that's, that's still work. Right. And I, I went through the list and I was like, I wrote a book. I'm writing a movie. And he's like, that's all work. You need something that. <laughs> like, here's the center. And yeah. it's like one, one line. I did that for years too. Before yeah. my therapy, I was doing the same thing. I was like, yeah, no, no. I, I, everything was affiliated with a foundation of. Well, yeah. Why would I put any energy into anything that isn't my career? And, but that's the thing is you can it's all of a sudden you're just untethered and yes. you're being creative. Yeah. And it's, again, for me, when I'm playing, uh, it's literally the only thing that I haven't said, Oh, how should I put this into the whole, yeah. you know, kitten caboodle, right? It's mm -hmm. like its own separate uh, lane. You know, what used to be that way for me too, is video games. Cause I grew up like, I was such an introvert that I would run home and I had fuck. I had ColecoVision. I had, in television yeah i had all those fucking early consoles we're the I, same age i remember all of those yeah and then i had once i got nintendo i or in boston fucking nintendo fucking nintendo <laughs> i gotta go home and play that fucking mario kid uh <laughs> once i got into that it, it was like that was my total escape away from anxiety because i i had some pretty crippling anxiety i i just heard that you talking about you having anxiety and i was like what I was like that because it's it's funny. I, I have anxiety. I've been talking. I've talked about it a lot lately. I'm in therapy again for the first time for the first time in a Wait, while. You're in therapy again for the first time. I, I go in and out. <laughs> this sounds like a, a bad movie tag for a B movie. I've, I've He's in therapy again, again for the first time. It's like Groundhog's Day meets Kramer versus Kramer. Oh God! And so I, how and how are you feeling about it? Being back in there and digging in. Uh, I. A lot better than I have felt. Like at certain points are, in my therapy. Are I, you really, are you hammering it? Or are you just kind of sitting back and exploring? I've gone through both phases. I I'm, I think I'm hammering it right now. Are you leaning in towards your therapist? Like you're trying to figure out how to win a football game and you're down by two TDs with a minute left? <laughs> yeah. Are you like this? <laughs> yeah, I want to try to get to that. What is that? Why do I do that? I thought that way my whole life. Oh, right. It's like you, you that you're on that mission to go. What is the thing that centers me? He, the only thing we're there, my my wife and him are thinking that I need SSRIs, like uh, just because I have, I have anxiety and it's just this overlaying anxiety. But this weekend I flew, so I I've, it's the pandemic. I think ultimately is I have been somewhat agoraphobic of being in. Mm. I don't mind doing a theater or like doing a, a show on stage that doesn't hit me it's getting to the airport and being around strangers oh. and watching people behave in manners that i find unacceptable and then i start melting down and then and uh and 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 so it showed up when we flew out to vegas right it was there a little bit the morning i was in vegas going to austin and it wasn't there at all today and i was like oh okay we're back and what do you think quelled it um masturbation no I, I wish by the way i actually thought about listening i thought about listening to porn on my phone to yeah. try to get my mind like list just listening to the porn right just have it playing in my pocket yeah, yeah. Have my what category in. would you uh, uh it would have to be some, some ethnicity i need i need someone talking this is the best ambient sound <laughs> yeah. to fall asleep to what are you doing tonight ocean waves maybe uh maybe rain on the roof i'm gonna listen to some of these asian threesomes that i've been 
Can I, can I tell you, this happened to me a long time ago. I was in a hotel room in Sacramento and I heard this couple fucking and the woman was a, clearly a black woman. She's like, get this pussy, get this pussy. And the guy was not saying a fucking word. Okay. Just get, and I'm just sitting, I listened to them. The yeah. fucking. Like, you knew it was a black woman just based on that? Just get this pussy. You get this pussy. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. Open the, they go to the mall. They go to the mall. We lived, it was right across the streets from the mall. They open the door to the thing and I open my door. I was like, I gotta see this couple. And it's the black chick. And I go, okay, that makes sense. Right. And then a skinny white dude comes out and I go, that's why he wasn't talking. <laughs> and I, but when I saw him, I went, that's it. Like I figured it out. And he was like, figured out what? And I was like, nothing. Case closed. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, I, 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 was listening to um i was listening to a bunch of your interviews because i was like i don't want to try to run other stuff but you went from listening to porn sounds maybe to some of my interviews on your plane on the plane i was listening so to some of your interviews yeah yeah <laughs> I, I pivoted over to you <laughs> and i was and you talked about anxiety and i was like yeah. i never fucking oh, knew that dude bad really bad and you know what the same thing that uh that you were saying is for a lot of years it was it was um i'm fine at the gig uh i feel relaxed I don't feel pressure at the show. Yeah. But the travel from and to. But you know what? When I was a kid, very quick story is when I left my house to go to school in the morning, there was a tree that I called the throw up tree. And if I could make it past the throw up tree, I would be okay at school. Yeah. But a lot of days I'd be fucking leaning on that tree at the bottom of Herd Road, taking those deep breaths and then being like, I'm going to puke. I got it. And I'd turn around and go home. And my mom would already be in the, like, she, you know, moms know yeah. she, she'd be yeah. in the door like, I, I had a feeling today was going to be a rough day. It's always been the travel in between. Once I'm in school, if they Good. said get up in front of people, I was actually more comfortable there. I think that's why I was drawn to stand up too. It was like something about up there, the pressure pushes everything in to be compact. Yeah. And I can live in that. It's the it's the getting from A to B that you start. I don't know. Do you ruminate a lot? That's all I do. Like ruminate about what's to be or ruminate about things that happened. Both. Oh, both. Fuck. I just did Rogan uh, yesterday. I did five hours and I don't remember the last <sighs> two hours. And, I, oh, and I was and I was like, what did I say? Yeah. On a platform where everyone's waiting for someone to slip up. I oh, was yeah. like, I just was blackout drunk. Who knows what the fuck I said? Right. Yeah. No, there's no, uh, there, there, that's the worst version is when, I mean, listen, if you're thinking, if you're ruminating too far about what's going to what's, happen what's gonna or not down. happen, I think it's harder Well, I, to do both and to already be thinking about like, ah, what did I say? Or what did yesterday? Or, I hope that podcast, I didn't come off wrong, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like you're really beating yourself up. I, I, do it, I do it all the time. I do it. I, 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 I know I did it with you one time. Uh, I said something. When we, we went to go see a movie, I remember this, and I, it's like little things. Like, I'll say something, and then I'll go, God damn it. Did that, was that, was that a, did that come off? I didn't upset him, did I? It was me, you, oh. and Gary went and saw a movie, and I said something, and you you were like, you were like, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? And I was like, no. Nah. And then I left, and I was like, God damn it, what did oh, I, no. but it, I do that all the time. Like, I think I say things, and I go, I say things, and I'm, and I ruminate about it and go, why the fuck would I do that? I remember one time I went and did radio. By the way, I don't remember that at all. This would be the moment where I'd be like, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about that, Bert, because I've been carrying that around for a very long time. Yeah. So you're forgiven by uh, the justification of I don't fucking remember any of that. I don't remember you saying something that ever ticked me off. I, I but I but I do that. Like I remember doing TV in Tampa one time, and they were like, "Tell us about fresh baked video games." I go, "It's canceled." And they're like, "What?" And I was like, "You don't." I go, "Did you watch it?" They go, "Why did it get canceled?" And I go, "Did you watch it?" And the guy goes, "I don't even know what channel it's on." I go, "That's why it's canceled." <laughs> and then I got home. 
And I was like, why would I do that? Like, what if they, what if they were going to pick it up yeah. and I just ruined the, op- what if they were maybe canceling it? Like, yeah. and so I think I do that a lot and I talk pretty recklessly. So I, I had b- breakthrough moments. Cause I went into the, like the lean in therapy. I did therapy for a while. That was kind of like the, the, you know, kickback and now oh, that's interesting or asking questions about other people's, you know what I mean? Hey, can I ask you why do people, and it was always about things that I was observing yeah. when I finally really dug into like what is my what is my trauma when did i establish it and once i knew what happened as a kid that kept me off kilter see i thought i was i thought i was on steady ground once i learned what i i survived growing up it made the rest of the world start to do this because i could then realize oh fuck when the world was was when when the chaos had settled for me that's when I was anxious because growing up as a adult child of an alcoholic and not knowing what dad I was going to get, we always had to be in like battle Royale mode prepared for like going to be a good night. It's going to be a rough night. And it kept you in a constant state of like revved. You know what I mean? Yeah. My mom would fucking sleep with one foot on the floor. Cause if he came home and he was, it, you know, fit to be tied, it was going to be a, it was going to be a crazy night. I only know your dad is a jolly guy. yeah and he was until he imbibed too much and then a lot of his old tapes all of his you know shit would come up really so once i figured that out and i could really like rip at the what was my capsizing moment as a kid i started to become it just i don't know i started becoming more present and, and forgiving of yesterday not thinking so much about tomorrow last maybe five years i've been pretty present a little bit of anxiety but so how did you how is did you do that in therapy and figured out mm-hmm. wonder what my trauma thing is i'll tell you the one thing that really freaks me out the and i don't know what this, but this is the thing that the underlying thing for me is i'm waiting for do you ever like been in the mall and then you hear some like someone's kids start choking the sound the mom makes when she really needs help like help and right that, that that untethered emotional moment i feel like is always on the cusp of happening Mm -hmm. and in those in those panic moments where i'm just like like i i I don't know yeah so my when you said the mall my mom was agoraphobic but my mom had like a myriad of phobias really we couldn't go through uh the the tunnel in boston because if there was traffic she would she would lose it she she had a lot of fear we would go to the mall if we were on the second floor of the mall she would get that thing where she'd feel like she was going to fall off the balcony yeah grab me pull me against sears and we'd be like against the wall and she'd be like i feel like i'm gonna fall off and that would make me want to jump you know people who feel like they're gonna fall want to yeah jump because they're so scared they're going to fall and we'd have to like slink along the wall and go into the store and go down inside the store holy shit. so you said mall in my immediately i remembered having to help my mom as a teenager to get get away from those traumatic moments and did your did your mom drink like very briefly yeah. no, no, like Kahlua and Barrow once in a while at the show to be like woo woo yeah but no didn't drink at all interesting yeah yeah and do you think your dad's drinking is the reason you didn't drink as I've gotten a little bit older I think so because yeah. not so much of uh it, it more the good people around me that were like if you can focus on the things that you're that you love you have a real shot at making them come to fruition, but that drinking sometimes gets in the way, right? Yeah, yeah. And they try to prepare me if I'm gonna do that, then maybe don't go to excess because it was like a contest to see who could be the drunkest of all the men in our family. 
really? think it was just something in them that was like i don't know some old school boston thing where it's like you can't just have two drinks you gotta fucking let's go yeah yeah you get yeah. a drink and then you gotta pile all the cans up and make a fucking can pyramid and somebody's gonna knock it down and be like what the fuck lou like you know and then there's gonna be an argument and yeah it, you know the kids have to be like whisked away you know like you just see like come on let's go let's go let them do their thing and it was just this constant state of weird one-upsmanship and regret and and as i got a little bit older into my 20s it, the first sign i had of like i'm gonna be okay was doing gigs feeling like i had purpose going home and then not needing something after to fill that void whether it was like the show's over or did i do well did i not do well i never needed anything <clears throat> i just ruminated and thought about like you know I, i'd get i'd get probably anxious just based on like I sucked or I wish that was better or whatever, but never having to put something in that space was the best decision I ever made. You're a, you're a, I was a Pisces. I was, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> go ahead. I'm interrupting the questions. I was on the Aries cusp, by the way, by the way, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> oh, okay. And so, and so I'm very vindictive. I like, I, I, if you, I, my wife was trying to explain it to me, but like, if you hurt me, I will, I kind of need to hurt you back. Right. And I and I was talking to my wife today, and she was that's like, a Scorpio trait. I think so. I'm pretty sure <laughs> you've made it one. I made it one. <laughs> I've uh, I have I am a I'm a bad person because if I got if if you hurt me, I usually I'm not confrontational, so I won't yeah. say anything to you. Yes, but I'm. And so you can't go. You know what? I want to do something to level the playing field, but you don't go. But the energy that they created with doing what they did is going to take care of them. You are you are amazing at it. You're amazing at, at making sure you're protected. Like if I said something that hurt your feelings, you go, hey, man, I don't like that. Immediately. I don't say that. I Then I get my feelings hurt and then I store it and I wait until a moment that we can get even. <laughs> it is so unhealthy. I, I said to my wife today, I go, I, <laughs> I go, I, she said something about, I don't know are you and dane similar guys i said oh no 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 i you know if i was dane i would consistently bring up that everyone needed to thank me for me changing comedy i would bring that up all the time i go it would actually bother me if i was overlooked at the way people are running their businesses not to get just to get a nod every time you post a fucking <laughs> promo video to go hey just so you know you're welcome like and i and she said what the fuck and i go i i, I feel like that for you sometimes yeah. where i go we were all doing something. We were all like walking around in circles, looking at our feet as comics. And you decided to see what was in the darkness yeah. and try something different. You know why I don't care? I'm dying to know why you don't Rolling care. Stone would always put like, uh, let me, let me roll it back a little bit. I, I had a, something happen early in my life or career somewhere in like school or something where not only did I not win, but I was not even like in the running. Yeah. And I got a little bit further in my career and I met my mentor, Frank Roberts, and he was one of the first people to be like, you don't wanna win things. He's like, you don't even wanna think about winning. You don't wanna focus on praise or any of that stuff. You just want the love that you feel from yourself and from your family. He said, because it's, it's really bad luck. First place, uh, 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 a big shiny award yeah and he kind of put almost like instilled some fear in me of like don't expect anything from if you're the first person to the finish line if you happen to be like oh fuck I, i'm i'm first i made yeah. it appreciate that you did something for yourself and then move on so I, i've never been one to linger on that but when people say like oh you fucking set up the 
the, the, the blueprint, it's always like, well, appreciate it. I'm going to go over here now. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, it's crazy. I was telling Joe and I were talking about you on the podcast yesterday, yesterday. And I said, I sat with Dane in his office when you lived over on fountain. That's right. And you, we were playing guitar, we were messing around and you were turning around and chatting on your computer yeah. and you introduced me to MySpace. You said, this will change your career. Right. I remember we talked about that and, and I was like trying to tell you like, this is how you're your top eight. And, and I, and I was like, <laughs> good luck, Dane. And, <laughs> and then like a week later, a week later, I'm in Venice and these dudes are doing Coke programming MySpace. And they're like, do you know Dane Cook? And I said, oh, I that's do. right. You told me that. Yeah. And I, and I was like, and they were like, you should try getting on my MySpace. And I was like, I was like, guys, I, I'm a real guy. I don't talk on the internet. I talk to you like this. What a fucking idiot I am. It was me and Tila Tequila at Te the fucking Tila? the back. What happened to Tila Tequila? I don't know. She didn't fucking. Uh, she was on that though. She Tila? Was, she was huge with that. God, she, she was, was the first influencer. In in my eyes, she was the first real influencer. She did, yeah. Paris Hilton gets the credit. Tila Tequila was doing it on MySpace. Yes, right around was. that same time. I was doing it with comedy, and she was like flashy and and fucking brash and sexy and it's like that that was her you know shtick god tila tequila i forgot about yeah. that i i wrote her one time i remember being like i need more sexy on my page she's like i need more funny i'm like <laughs> it i was already thinking before like you guys now are so great about cross-pollinating and with your you're so entrepreneurial in the way in in way back then it was like what if we should try to figure out how like T and A and comedy can join forces <laughs> yeah. and double our numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah do, do a collab. The uh, collab. It's so funny. I I, I was <laughs> wow. telling Leanne. I, that was that was a game changer for. But I don't think I don't think a lot of people noticed it until like eight years later. I don't think they real people started applying it because it was it's a very vulnerable place. To, to do something Musicians different. Musicians jumped in quicker, but here's what happened back then with comics. For whatever reason, I think you probably see this too. I don't, I don't, I feel like the next, the graduating class, like two behind us is way more early adopters of cross-pollinating and supporting each other. Yeah. We were a little bit more like, if somebody got a little bit ahead, I think there was still too much ego in our graduating uh -huh. class. And the fact I got there, quote, first, I know, and I know this, I won't name names. People that came to me were like, I just didn't want to say I was following your fucking lead, so I didn't do it. So they purposely shot themselves in the foot because they didn't want to be like the other dude who is now going like, you're trying to catch up to Dane and his numbers and his thing. And how many morning DJs at that time were like, why are you doing what Dane does? He comes through town, he sells out. And that pissed so many people off that they couldn't lean into it and go, yeah, I should probably, I should probably partake. They were like, no, I'm not going to do that path. But that was the only path. Yeah. Oh, I I had that, that point. I had that conversation with uh, with I won't name names, but uh, a couple of my friends that are uh, are big podcasters and uh, and uh, and comedians, and they were like, "What are you?" This doing? is the only podcast we've both said I won't name names. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a podcast not name every fucking name. <laughs> I've named, I've, I've made. Fucking let's name names. <laughs> uh, Ari Shafir, and so. Ari was like, why are you doing fucking stories? It's so stupid. What are you doing stories? And I said, take a look at this. I said, this swipe up. And I showed him. I said, yeah. these 2,400 people all hit that link. Yeah. And they just bought tickets. And he went, wait, how do I do that to mine? I go, right. you, you, you need to get you, you need to get more followers, I think, at the time. You need, but I think, yeah, he could do it then. Yeah. And he was like, and then all of a sudden he was like, oh, that, that works. And you're like, yeah, you just got to. 
show people sometimes and be vulnerable. The, the hardest but, part is being vulnerable. But it was also too that that era was coming out of comics don't fucking talk to the fans and meet and greet. Yeah, that was like okay. Richard Jenny loved Richard Jenny. Yeah, Richard Jenny fucking shared a lot of stage time my early landing in la richard jenny's on a lot of shows that that you know we did together i remember richard jenny and by the way full transparency we were not very close i, I tried to be close with him and he was a guy that just kind of was set in his ways but i tried to like break him down good to see you man like always oh, super nice yeah. and i could never really get there and then about a year before he sadly passed away he hit me up he called me and he was like, hey, what's with this MySpace? Like, what is it? And, and I was like, I would love to help you, man. I will. And we talked a couple of times and I tried to kind of set him in motion. But he was still of the belief, like, why should I let the fans like reach out to? I go, it's like a fan mail. It's like email. Yeah. But electric. You know, I'm trying to explain it like, you know, to Richard Jenny, one of the best comedy writers, you know, of, of generations before. And yet they he there was a resentment at to like. Oh, but I don't want to necessarily talk to the fans because I think people thought at that time, you're I'm giving them access to my integrity. They're going to try to change me. Yeah. They're going to try to tell me I didn't like that joke. And we don't want to hear that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's the world. Fuck it. People are gonna like it or not. So I don't think I don't think this is gonna sound bizarre. I miss him, by the way. Richard I don't I've, I he Fucking was funny, so funny as shit. I remember the day after 9-11, he got up on stage at the improv. Uh they had me host. Yeah. And I and he got up and he said, uh, he goes, uh, said something. They're worried that that they got George Bush is going to invade over Iraq. They're afraid they have nuclear weapons. They, you think they have nuclear weapons? And let me ask you something, George Bush. I don't think they're holding back. <laughs> he goes, I don't think they're like, well, don't let's not throw everything at them. <laughs> and then I and then I ran into him. Oh, I ran into him at at Caroline's one night. And I told him, I said, I think about that joke all the time. And he goes, I don't even remember it. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was like, oh, can I have it? <laughs> I, I, I was just in Boston with Burr for a buddy of ours who passed away. A comedian, uh, Wayne Previty. Yeah, Wayne. And I, yeah. Did you know Wayne at all? Did no, you, I, but I was, I, I, Bill had talked about oh, him. Oh, man. So it's like, thinking of Richard, thinking of Wayne, obviously, you know, Norm recently, it's like, I remember growing up and asking, I grew up Catholic. I, I asked the priest, I said, does God have a sense of humor? Cause I had like jokes about like, you know, Catholicism and all that. Yeah. Of course God has a sense of humor. And like, in my mind, I'm like, if God really had a sense of humor, he, if, if a comic dies, they should be allowed from wherever they are to have one tweet or something a week <laughs> that we all have access to just waiting. Like, okay, I can't wait for that weekly tweet. What's it going to be? Oh, What's the topic? Great, yeah. It's almost a cruel joke to have any comic not have some form of you know still creating you know even even in in passing it's like you want that new piece of material based on something that's happening in the world or or in the news and i was thinking about that when i was back in in, in boston with burr about the the wayne thing it's like fuck that voice you won't get to hear yeah that next thought i think of that with i think of that with norm a great deal because i think he uh i i really enjoyed I really enjoyed listening to him. Yeah. Like just listening. Did you gig to him. with him quite a bit? No, I I only knew him. I knew him from just hanging out. Uh like I'd I tweeted something really nice when he got in trouble. I tweeted that I supported him and I tweeted something pretty heavily supporting him, I think. Right. And then he hit me up and was very very heartfelt message. And then he would just DM back and forth and I'd run into him yeah. at the store. 
and he'd uh he was and you know he wasn't set up to like my style of comedy you know like he didn't he didn't like he didn't like storytellers he wanted you to do jokes right he didn't like uh uh confessional comedy which is all i fucking do i think and and i'm shirtless so I, I and so I came off stage and so I, mean, I goes, think you put that at the end yeah, and then I'm shirtless. like it was a special appearance yeah. and I'm shirtless. But I, the first time I met him in the store, he was like, he was like, ah, so that's Bert Kreischer. And I went, it is. And he goes, that's good. And I was like, oh, thanks. But he was such a, it was he was a fun guy to yeah. listen to talk. Right. I did a lot of gigs at the factory with him. He had that era after SNL, and I was there, and he was always in his hockey shirt, and he's just kind. But one of those people that you popped in the room, you wanted to know what he was going to come up with. Yeah. You know, he, uh, man, he, he had, he had a, a who's who's room full of comics one time at the store waiting on, on his every word. Right. Like everyone was, and no one was speaking and he, everyone was just watching him. He took a big hit of a, a vape pen, just goes, <laughs> Bill Clinton's not a good man. <laughs> and he, this tirade and no one spoke we were just like oh. yeah it's it stinks especially like patrice like that uh, i would love to hear what patrice has to say right now yeah i think patrice uh, you know uh i feel like he would have hit that that stride he looked like he was gearing up for in, in my eyes i always saw like remember like a uh, tough crowd yeah. and shit you know uh, like a real time bill maher i always kind of saw like he he could figure that kind of you know path out you know to just be his voice and his you know crew and um i i think that patrice would have had a really bright future i wish he was still around i wish he was i really yeah. do i would love because he there was a fearlessness to him i don't even know if it was fearless or just like just like because he did have that that i'm gonna burn the bridge at both ends kind of personality right deep right in the middle <laughs> how did you not so like but not only that, but he had the material. He could kill on any given night, and some nights he would choose to just go up there and sit in it with a thought. Yeah. Ponder, try to f make it almost like he's talking to one person, but it's the crowd is the other person. And judging from their response, he was finding his own belief system in a, you know, whether right or wrong. The fact that he could do that, knowing like, oh, everybody's killing tonight. He's probably going to go up and do Malcolm XXL or one of his... Yeah crushers no you just be like i want to figure some shit out tonight wow wow yeah very he, few people could do that he was uh he was a very interesting person to watch work right you he I, introduced me to uh notorious big he had the bootleg that he bought out of a fucking trunk and he had a sony discman or whatever that was and yeah he put the headphones on me nick's comedy stop he's like this guy's biggie and I remember hearing it for the first time before he was even on the radio. Yeah. Patrice had his shit out of a trunk. That's one thing I remember from hanging out with him. Patrice and I were in, in uh, <laughs> Scotland and I was listening to Jay-Z and, and I was singing along and he goes, you're not singing the right words. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, do you know what any of these things mean? And I was like, I don't think so. And he goes, all right, hold on. So we listened to that song, beep, beep, and I'm picking him up, let him play with the yeah. dick in the truck, whatever that song is. We listened to the whole thing and he would stop it and he go, tell me what you think he's saying. Oh my god! And I would say what I I didn't even I was just making words up, right? And he would be like, no. <laughs> and he's like, Bert, this is a pimp movie. Pulls up in her house, and it's beep beep, and I'm picking him up, let him play with the dick in the truck. You understand what that it means? And I was like, oh, I think I do now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, he was a he was a very interesting person. Yeah. So I, one of the things that I I noticed that I did 
and and I've and I saw people do it worse than I've ever done it. But when I got a little successful, I started running my mouth and and sometimes telling people what I thought of them. <laughs> like it was, it, and you never you never did that. Like you never you never. Uh, it, I see it happen. I've seen it happen a lot now that I know that I've done it and I stop stop doing it. But I see people get a little success and then they start. Oh, I remember watching one guy. Uh, well, I edit his name out. <laughs> Uh, I watched him tell a comedy club owner, fuck you. Uh, you, you, you never worked me. And now look at you now look at me. Eesh. And and I remember watching that going like, no to self, don't ever do that. Yeah. I never did anything that bad, but I definitely would. I definitely would like, once you have a little success, it's, you're, you feel a little more comfortable being a little more callous with your words. Right. But you never did that. And you never, you never fired back at people. Um, no, I didn't like to fire back at people because I'm, I don't like controversy because I get really, that's where a lot of my anxiety also would come from really is getting like embroiled in something that, you know, I just felt like, well, if I go up against this person, whether it's bullshit or not, then if their gang comes in now, I'm trying to fight a bunch of people. And then also like it put, I, I realized early on, like that stuff puts your fans in a weird area. Where suddenly it's like they're they're having to defend you or take sides, and I just never, I I always did my business on the side. Hey, can I talk to you about something? Yeah, and you know, and but sometimes that made its way into the world, right? It's like sometimes that ended up on a podcast or one way or another. It's like now I'm kind of like dealing with something that I I wanted to keep it private, right? As a one on one, yeah. but yeah, never never usually uh, at the clubs or you know, in front of other people. It's so impressive now that I in hindsight. To think that you kind of stayed silent when people would say stuff about you or say accuse you of stuff, you just yeah. stayed silent and just as and, yeah. and can't and, fi can't fight lies. If you, that's rule number one in life, I, I you know I don't have kids yet. I'll teach them. If there's a lie, you take it. It's gonna suck. Eat it up. Take it on the chin. Other people believing it, the lie. If you start fighting a lie, you're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah. 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 That's why. Like, if you, what do they say? Like, you go into courtroom. It's like. You, you, you have to just sit you know here you're on the defense you're not going to nod don't look at the just sit stare straight ahead why i want to be able to let them know that i no. if you shake your head even once at a lie it makes it look like you're refuting and you're trying to deflect and yeah so it's very early in my life somewhere along the way i used to like to read a lot of self-help books too i used to go to like in new york and stuff i'd go to like a books bookstores always made me feel calm i'd sit in an aisle self-help aisle and i'd grab <laughs> fucking books and I just read behavioral things. Yeah. I was always interested in it. Um, and that's one thing I learned early on. Don't, don't. Uh, so when things came at me in, in comedy and yeah. people threw some shit at me, it was brutal. I wanted to call morning DJs like everybody else and be like, okay, yo, dude, <clears throat> I'm here now too. Yeah. But just for the sake of good radio, it, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. That's that it's, it's funny. You, you, you find yourself if 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 you're attacked wanting to defend yourself totally I, I have i have i remember one time i saw some 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 guy who's a big bill burr fan uh a uh a british dude and just he did not he was not a fan of mine and i started watching it and it upset me and i wanted to hit him back up and be like hey man like yeah i think you'd like me if if you got to know me and he was just trashing me and then i was like all right i'm done watching anything negative about me <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, right. I, yeah. I, I think I did that bit on isolated incident about Googling yourself. And, and I, I think I was like, you, I go after I got past the first page of a Dane Cook search, I was like, this guy's a douchebag. <laughs> like I fucking hated what was <clears throat> being perpetuated. So I, I just chose through a couple of haymaker moments being thrown at me to be like, I, there's nothing I can do to fucking change a bullet. It's already out. People say or do whatever. They could say, you know, whatever the fuck. And you're like, I could either meet this and make it more yeah. or just take it on the chin and know, no, no, for me, I know the truth. I know yeah. the truth. Yeah. I don't need a morning DJ to be like, let's clear this up together. Like as much as I wanted to sometimes do that for the sake of the press, <laughs> yeah. be like, I want to fucking say funny shit yeah. and, and, and haze each other verbally. Yeah. My, my, uh, confrontational anxiety kept me at bay with the also the notion of like unless this is really something i have to step forward and say like yo legit like i need to make my voice heard on it yeah. it's it's not i've never had uh something big enough that was worth having to really i mean uh, i don't want to really go into no but, but, I, but what's interesting I, is you're very lucky because you also haven't been doing a hundred million podcasts for the last 10 years you've kind of picked your your moments to talk on podcasts mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I like, so I, is that what you guys, and forgive me, but it's like, are, are you guys all finding now that like, I, I've heard some things about other comics where like they dug up an old clip and now yeah. they're in trouble and cancel culture. Are you guys finding it's tougher to traverse truth and even absurdity truth, which is like that, that fucking comedy level of we're, we're in a, we're fantastically bullshitting. It's yeah. like a simulator. We've put on the fucking Oculus. Oh yeah. It's it's a joke. It's jest. Yeah. Are you guys and girls finding that it's like uh, people are like have their knives out? I I not. I mean, I or is I, that only a small? I think that's a little. I think it's a sliver. But you could. I mean, you. I've said so much stuff on podcasts that I and I don't know what I said. Yeah. That like you just go like fuck. Right. If you just do it, if someone just goes and listens to an old episode, they'd be like. Who the fuck is this guy? And when you isolate those out, of course, it just sounds yeah. Especially when it's like you isolate it out, and there's no, not only no ramp into what it yeah, is, just, they don't really know. Here's the thing: you're not a you're not a malicious you don't have a malicious yeah. bone in your body. Yeah, you're not a nefarious person. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know those couple of things and you do your due diligence, you realize this person's not coming from a place of hatred or negativity or yeah. pain. Oh, me and Tom, but but we like to explore that because that's what, as comics, yeah. When the fucking tire hit Mary in the face years ago, this woman died at a fuck. It was sad. It was awful. I dealt with it through humor. Yeah. I made a joke about it. There were people that were that is terrible. What happened to that? I know it is. I felt it. The only way I could ex explore seeing something that really hurt me was to find humor in it. Yeah. And that that not everybody's wired to know that humor is healing like that. No, not everyone is. And and what made me what what I know one of the clips that made me laugh harder than ever is when Tom and I started our podcast. We said let's run through a list of things people could pull out and take and put in and make us look horrible, like cancelable statements. And we said them all, and we could not stop laughing. Right. And then we got done, and we posted it. And we're like, that was probably a bad idea. Like they can now just clip out all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think I went through it with CNN. CNN one time filmed me at a, a club. I made a off color remark about something that happened in the news the week before, and then there were people on a panel, like, was this in poor taste? And when you watched it on CNN, yeah, you were like, yes, 
If you weren't in the room and you yeah. didn't know where I was coming from or where my heart's at, then there's millions of people who've never heard of me and don't know me or don't want to hear or know me and go, this guy's a fucking asshole. And then there's a narrative being written for you. And by the way, that narrative is almost like these multiverse Avenger movies where it's like, there's a whole belief system of you or me and it has nothing to do with us. Yeah. And there's people subscribing and believing it, but it's, it has, it's not in any way tangible or relatable to us. It's not really us. It's yeah. a narrative and it's just weird. You got to, you can't linger on it. You got to keep whatever. You got to fucking let it's it It's crazy. Cause you do. I mean, someone said, are you worried about what you say on stage? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. And I was like, wait, I, I was like, doesn't everyone knows that when the mic's in my hand, everything's a joke. Like my only intent is to make you laugh. You understand that? Like yeah. if there's a mic in front of me, my goal is that you're sitting in your office and you have headsets in. Yeah. And I want you at some point to try to hold laughter back. That's my thing. And I was, and, but there are people that are like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We were always kind of, I think we were groomed to believe that like, yeah, no, stand up is like this neutral ground uh, where, you know, everybody understands that it's, uh, you know, that it's, there's no uh, ill intent and, but, and people go, oh, it's like the jester and the, with the king. And it's like, yeah, but every once in a while they got beheaded because the king was like, was that about me? <laughs> and they just get, you know, no, I swear. Why would I make a joke about you? You're the king. And yet, every, every now and then they did get beheaded. Yeah. They're just, they don't talk about that. Yeah. We always talk about the silly hat with the fucking bells on it. And they seem like they could just sit anywhere like this and look at the king and be like, nah, 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 and get every once in a while the king and be like, yeah, fuck this guy. He's too loud. Uh, <laughs> i think that was about me or the queen i don't like the props get up on a prop that guy and kill him yeah they killed jesters i forgot about that yeah that's fucking yeah crazy it, and it and it and everything's such a microcosm and and also too it's like let's face it once the internet became more than just that beginning stage of great promotion or a nice little portal yeah here's a portal to something that you don't have regional access to once mm -hmm. it became what was underneath it in those comment sections and and people had that power to like you know come from just you know their basement couch to r riling up a fucking base of whatever yeah it just became a whole different playing field and especially for comedy you know comedy is works best in the room with people that fucking know what's going on in real time yeah. it doesn't work as well on a delay where people get it secondhand it's just not gonna imagine it's like people reporting jokes secondhand it's it, people can barely repeat a joke the right way you know for the right reasons let alone yeah. let me tell you what i heard somebody say last night and then putting their onus on it i remember when that happened to uh to uh daniel tosh he made a joke and then all of a sudden it was it, it written it looked really mm. horrible but i was like i bet if you were right. in the room there was some lightness to it right and and i bet it was like and and i remember he, i was the first person i remember having to apologize that's like remembering that yeah and i was like oh, what the fuck i i think there's only one thing that that the, the microscope has done which is it has weeded out early uh I ignorance for no reason whatsoever yeah. those comics are not going to have a shot you can't be telling other people's truth. You can't be like, the way I see it, those people should do that. That's that's never been a great route or as interesting other than a shock value. I can't believe that that person said that about those people. Yeah. In the room. 
that would never be your long-term career goal. Nobody ever got a show like, you know how you make fun of everybody and make them feel bad? That's your, <laughs> that's your eight o'clock show. So they're weeded out. And then young comics that I talk to now, or like if I'm on Clubhouse or whatever, first thing I say is like, there's really no advice for comics. I wouldn't tell you what to fucking do. I would just try to protect your integrity at all costs. Keep everybody over there. Yeah. But you got to report from your truth. If it happened to you, if it's words that you've said or have been said to you, you can observe and report that. Yeah. I think that it's all there. The way you interpret, the, you see something that we all see, you can you can have carte blanche to to do whatever. But I don't think it's uh, incumbent on anybody to be telling somebody else's truth because that's just never going to come out. Nobody's ever going to be like, we all get behind that. The guy that's different from all of us telling us what we are, that's not going to be an easy sell. Yeah, and it's so funny. I, I don't think I got, I don't think I knew my, when, when, how old were you when you got your voice in comedy? I think when I started like writing from experience was after um, I did the Comedy Central half hour shit yeah. and it was like bombastic and a fucking black tank top and the I look water. like I work a hot topic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the whole, that whole experience was, uh, it was great. It, it set me in, in motion. But also, almost immediately, I had I was looking towards comics that I grew up loving that I felt kind of maybe like got stuck in that moment. Yeah, and I felt like I was already a student of comedy and looking and saying, "All right, which ones got unstuck and what did they do to?" I looked at Eddie Murphy quite a bit and and got to share with Eddie years later when I met him that like him going from raw to then doing you know some early. Uh, whatever some of his early more family oriented stuff yeah at that time that was like sacrilege eddie's sold out yeah he's, but eddie was grow. he knew he was growing up with his generation of comedy fans and they were starting to have kids or they were starting to see the world differently and yeah so i realized after the water in the tank top i was like i'm never doing that again yeah, I I'd done it on like premium blend. I was still super physical on the Insomniac tour with Nutella and those guys. Do you, I remember you and Nutella and Geraldo were in Geraldo. Vegas. Yeah, God, I just saw that picture the other day. Yeah, I, somebody sent it to me out of yeah, the Yeah, oh, you posted it. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that the other day. Yeah, and I was after like, Norm passed, somebody, you know, people like gets everybody very sentimental, obviously. And like, then people were sending me these great pictures they found from other, you know, comedians that we've lost. And so, so we go back. So you're, 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 you high energy. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, whirling dervish, fucking Tasmanian yeah. devil. What, whatever early review from the Boston fucking Herald said. Um, and so, and then I realized, okay, well, it, I, I love language and I and I love storytelling. Maybe I should start focusing a little bit more on um, approaching story from a more uh, introspective place. Yeah. So when I got to Vicious Circle, so it was like oh five, right, oh six. I did a bit called the crying bit and that bit was based on an anxiety attack that I had based on uh, a couple things that weren't straight up in the bit, but my mom was sick. My mom had cancer and she didn't come to the show that night because she was dying. She was in Florida in Delray beach. And she was like, I'm not good to travel. She never missed a Boston show I'd ever done in my first and biggest. She was not there. Yeah. So when I went into the crying bit, all that came from a really real place of being sad but i had to ring it out as you know as comedy the bit grew that night and i did things that night on that stage that were not a part of that bit really 
when I left the stage that night, I was like, oh my goodness, like that piece felt the best I've ever felt on stage. And I knew that was a turning point of like, I just gotta, I gotta like build up that uh, confidence to share more uh, personal experiences. That bit to this day is something that once a week, somebody's like, uh, sometimes people will write me, I'm, I've had like, I've hit a low in my life that's really dark. And during my saddest moment, I think of that bit and I started laughing. Yeah. Because I'm, t- I'm, you know, you're looking in the mirror, yeah. and the oh, look, and there's a man crying and hearing. I remember, the, yeah, yeah. It, it's like all that stuff. Like, I knew it made an impact that night. I told my mom the next day. I flew to Florida. I brought the raw footage. I showed her. I was crying, like showing her the crying bit. I was like, I was thinking about. Uh, I was thinking about her during that bit, and sharing it with. But we're laughing, but we're crying, and yeah. and I just kind of made a promise to myself at that point, like. I'm not going to not explore my feelings on stuff. And then isolated incident, you know, had stuff about my brother, my mom passing in there. Haters, the, you know, the email that I read where, you know, somebody wrote some real fucked up shit to me. The worst email I ever got, like of the, of a hater, like a real legit, yeah, angry, whatever, sinister email. And I, and I printed it out and brought it on stage and was like, I'm going to read you what I got. I just want you to know what I'm dealing with both on the good and the, in the, the pendulum of both. Yeah. And so all those experiences and then certainly Troublemaker and then this next special that I'm filming at the end of the month is definitely my and most. you're doing it at the Wang, right? October 29th and 30th. That's going to be fucking yeah. great. I, oh, I love the Wang too. Uh, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm there for the first time. The Wang, Oh, dude, you're going to love it. Yeah. It, it's, it's uh, you've done the Beacon in New York City? Yeah. Okay. It's, I think it's like the Boston version of the Beacon. It's, oh, it's, really? It's raucous. It's, it feels like a, a wave that's a people that's kind of like they're right on you. So we. I so think then, it's a great okay, so so, what I have so much I want to talk to you about. So we, how do you feel? Do you? I did. A, I did a larger venue than I've ever done, right? And then I went back and did a theater. And I, you don't want to say, "Hey, I don't want to do arenas," but there is something so precious about great theaters like the Beacon or the Chicago Theater. It's the best place for comedy, right? Yeah, like a good club is the best place to, uh, you know, to jam, to be in the lab. And a, in a 3,500 to 5,500 size theater, if it's built right with great sound, that's it. That's it. Everything past yeah. that is event. Uh, it's a little out of your hands. Yeah. It's like Steve Martin said in, in his book, Born Standing Up. You know, it, it feels like you're the ringleader at a, in a circus as opposed to truly connecting and performing instead you're just like keeping the thing fucking going yeah you know was, which is great it's fun but you wouldn't want it to be that way all the time you wouldn't want to live in that space all the time well i remember i remember watching you I, what i must have been vicious circle was that done in boston that was boston yeah, yeah that was boston and i remember watching that and thinking not every comic could fill that venue right meaning meaning not not the people but the, but the energy boston too, the energy so. oh, oh the yeah, energy yeah. and like you, your yeah. act was set up for that and i and i just keep thinking like like i you know and because i'm also thinking to myself like so where where is my writing going and where am i am i as i get ready for an, another special am i am i rewriting the same shit i'm just rewriting uh, it yeah every you don't want to be derivative that's the key. i don't want to be derivative yeah. and i but if you change you know some people are gonna be like what's this now yeah like they're like no no stories about your family and i'm like well thought i'd do some topical <laughs> What are you, David Renner now? Are you going to bring a newspaper up there? I brought the USA Today yeah. and my guitar but and my therapist is going to join me as well. 
I can't even. I'm supposed to journal every morning, and I and it always turns into a bit. Is it on an app or are you writing? I write it. Oh, I okay. write it. All right. I brought my journal with me to um to Austin, yeah. and I got terrified because I was like, cause this I'm writing. You put every- stickers on the top. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> That's I, weird. I hit it. Put some stickers on I it, hit, man. That's I, weird. I hit it. It just looks afraid. like you're going to fucking homeroom with your uh, <laughs> black and white covered journal. I have. I have a. Uh, I've have. I've. I've always enjoyed my my joke books to jazz them up a little bit. I've got one that's got all my European uh, theater stickers. Cool. Like all right. All the backstage good. ones. Yeah. I've got one that's that sane. says the machine on a fist. Yes. I've okay. got one. I've, I I used to love. I used to love decorating a good journal but i haven't decorated this one and i had to hide it because i was afraid tom's son would find it and and he would and you hide your journal i hid it in the back of my backpack <laughs> and where the part where the computer is the zipper so sad. i was like i was terrified truth. i was like i should never have brought this fucking thing if people got this it would be it would sell quicker than <laughs> any book i could ever write would, then people would be like this is awesome he is legit crazy but did, you didn't write today I didn't write today. No, I was on the plane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, did you? Did you? Wait. F- let me just say one last thing about the arena stuff because yeah. I, so I filmed every arena show I ever did, whether it was just a, a, a fucking camera in the room yeah. or hey, can I can you pipe it in or so I have like 140 arena shows and I kept them all in a refrigerator here in L.A. and I finally hired a guy to go through and I'm basically putting together like all the fucking weirdest moments from arenas that I did. Oh, wow. It's not so much about the, it's like the Madison square garden and Boston garden. Those are rough around the edges and vicious. I'm remastering those as well too. I'm going to put those back out with a little bit of the material that I cut from yeah. those two gigs. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't want to give it up, but the other hundred plus arenas, like dude, when you watch the footage, unlike, you know, if you watch a hundred arena uh, theater shows, you'd be like, Oh, this is a great show. Oh, I, I riffed a little bit here that yeah, it's like, Every other night, it's like, here's a dude running on stage trying to fucking switch shirts with me. Here's uh, a fight literally happening while I'm facing this way. These two fucking do- guys are in a fist fight, and the camera just leaves me, and it's just why the, the guy in the booth was like, fuck it, let's just watch the fight. We've seen the act. So those, oh. those are, they were events. They're awesome. It, you know, when you see, like, Rogan, Chappelle, and a fucking gang, of course, of course, that's a... It's going to be funny. It's going to be an experience. Donnell's going to get up there and fucking get the whole place yeah. jumping around and rocking. But comedy in its truest kind of form, when you want the the the, the pauses and the introspective and that the best punchline comes when that whole room is kind of like silently waiting and then laugh, 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 yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's like Fox Theater shit, right? Beacon, Wang. You're gonna you're gonna love it. You're gonna do great. So we do. Can you can you look back fondly at certain arenas and go, I really loved like uh like or is or do they all kind of blend into one they they kind of blend in but some of my favorites were the old shitty ones that were like c-grade arenas in like edmonton canada like yeah where the you could hear the fucking pipes rattling during the show from underneath (laughs) like just yeah some of the some of the (laughs) i don't even know like hell gig uh arenas i call them (laughs) yeah this arena is a hell gig yeah this a there's a small arena for me, 8,000 seats. This is a arena hell gig because it was going to turn into a pirate's den to quote. I think uh, that was uh, Richard Lewis who once said that yeah. uh, it's going to turn into a pirate's den. And my job is to just and keep it in and then get him and hit him with something. And, and, and being a long form storyteller, I'm not a snappy joke guy. Yeah. 
So there are moments where I'm like, this is like a seven minute fucking piece. I know some people are like midway through turning their seat and talking. To, then they turn back. It's like, you have no fucking clue what I'm talking about at this point. <laughs> so all those moments are going to be fun to kind of cut together. You could actually see me uh, on a few occasions, literally like look at, at the camera and say, I have no control over this right now. This is a prison riot. Yeah, this is a prison riot with a comedian in the very middle trying you know, trying to fucking be like, yeah. don't don't kill any more guards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but 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 you you would always want to lean in, and if somebody calls and says, hey, you want to do a fucking arena show with me because of that energy that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, so it's a trade off, right? This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? Shaving your balls with anything other than Manscaped. I am old school. I started shaving my balls, I think, in the 2000s, very beginning. And I will tell you, back then you had to use clippers that were meant for hair, like your head or your beard. I don't even, yeah, they had beard clippers. And you could chop your shit up. You don't have to worry about that because with the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0, this finely tuned pube product features a cutting edge ceramic blade designed to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is easily the best ball trimmer. On the planet. Oh, and did I mention that it's waterproof? Oh, and did I mention that it's got a little light? So when you're doing it over the toilet, you can see what you're doing and you're not doing it in the blind. It's so good. I trim my beard with it. They've also got the weed whacker uh, and it is a nose and ear trimmer that provides proprietary skin safe technology that helps reduce nicks, snags, tugs, and all those delicate holes. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. This podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I absolutely love Athletic Greens. What I love about it is it doesn't have some grassy taste. You just take one scoop, throw it into water, shake it, drink it, and it ensures me that when I'm on the road and I'm on the bus that I have all the health routines and nutrients that I need. It's, I mean, it really is great for if you're working out, which I just started doing again. I'm allowed to lift weights. So one scoop of Athletic Greens, and I'm all of a sudden there. Uh, it contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including multivitamins, multiminerals, probiotics, green superfood blend, in more and in more in one conveniently daily serving. The specific blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of Athletic Greens works together to fill the nutrient gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, Aids with gut health and digestion and supports a healthy immune system, which we can all benefit from at this time in the world. Effectively replacing multiple pills, products, and vitamins with just one healthy, delicious drink. Make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com. Slash Bert today again. Make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com/slash Bert today again. Simply athleticgreens.com/slash Bert to take control of your health and give Athletic Greens a try. It's uh, yeah. I, I feel like uh, I I I don't know. I mean. I would love to do arenas, but I don't know. Let's read your journal. Uh, it's just, it's, is it tucked somewhere hidden? No, it's in my backpack okay. in, in the house. <laughs> Let me just pick one page and read it. I, I, I ended up talking about one of my things. with. I journal on my phone. You can read a page out of mine. I, do you really journal yeah. on your phone? Yeah, yeah. 
Really? Yeah, quite a bit. What? So what do you journal about? Like I just, just your feelings? I'll, yeah. yeah or you know what it is? It's like uh, I'm big into relinquish, relinquishing my power to things. Remembering that like I'm just another human on the whole ride and it's never personal. Everybody's dealing with their own. So when I start feeling worked up and, and yeah. the walls are closing in, I, sometimes I'll literally be like, walls are not closing in. Walls are right where they were. This is me. And I'll just go through a few, you know, easy steps and then find a place to masturbate and then you're okay. The other day I, in my journal, I've tried to draw stick men in as many happy positions as I could. Stick men? <laughs> like, I was just like, and I, you know, write like a little yeah. goal to myself. Yeah, I this just, is creepy. Yeah, it was like some revenant it's shit. Really, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's really, it, it, by the way, it, it is so creepy because you go, and, and I, I was actually wondering, could you get canceled? For someone finding an old joke book where you wrote horrible stuff, because I have lost a joke book. Yeah, how about every, especially young boys, how about like all the shit we would draw as kids? You ever find like an old drawing? It's like fucking bloody hands and fucking knives spinning through <laughs> yeah. space. and Or dicks everywhere. Yeah, fucking cocks, yeah. your name, and can I put cocks in my name? And like, it's like, we're just fucking creepy, you know, guys. It's like that, that yeah, you don't want your old journals or your old fucking drawings Fuck. to get into the world. I don't want them to Google, I don't want my Google searches to get out. Like what I Google, yeah. If people could find out all the porn I've watched, like right. if, they, if they said this is your Pornhub history, I I would be like, I bet there would be a lot of people going, I think he's gay. Can, can I scare you right now? <laughs> yeah, it's all gonna come out for real. I'll tell you why it's gonna come out. You ready? This is gonna like make you go, oh fuck. This is gonna make you want to get in your computer and find old shit and get rid of it. At early days of comedy, you probably had Hotmail. Yeah. Right. Or you had something like that's you know, fucking AOL. Whatever. Yeah. Like, but but a hotmail. And then there was ninety variations of that. Fucking you know, free mail. At free mail. All of those accounts that you probably wrote a lot of fucking crazy shit back and forth or whatever. Yeah. They're still on servers, but those servers don't install new security measures like the current stuff that you're using. For a couple of years, they might add one thing or another that's like, oh, this is but 10, oh, 15 years later. God. All those old email accounts have security that's about this thin. So a program today, if they go, uh, you know, password search that old fucking Hotmail account, if somebody gets into that, that, that'd be cracked in on the dark web in 30 seconds. That's, how has that not already happened? It probably is already happening. Probably, there, yeah. There's dark, there's shit on the dark web. I don't, I, I don't I, really I don't, know what the dark web is. The dark web is like, you know, like cryptocurrency yeah. and everything. Like crypto was, it was developed in the dark web, basically in like human trafficking and fucking weird, gross shit as a form of currency that couldn't be really, like, you know, easily, you know, uh, tapped or someone trail. just told me they bought mushrooms uh, uh, with cryptocurrency. Well, now crypto has yeah. like become like it's above the board mainstream and it's, it's but back legit. then that was what that was. Ba yeah. Back then crypto was like the 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 you know hinky way of being like you know hey i want to see some shit let me give you a yeah. fucking whatever cardboard fucking da 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 and so the dark web which is kind of essentially like under like the early framework you know like the moors people whatever they say live under vegas or new york there's like yeah. all the tunnels and there's fucking doctors down there and somebody ran electricity there's like three thousand people living underneath vegas with their own fucking community it's kind of like that version of like underneath the internet and that all they do is come up and cherry pick people's iCloud accounts and whatever. And if you're one of the people that they choose to focus in on, then they fucking grab your stuff. And it's, it's, it's for public consumption on the dark web. Here's why you don't know about some of the things that are already on the dark web, because there's a code among thieves 
in the dark web, which is like, if we don't keep this within our own confines, if, if it starts getting out there too much, if we're, if we're reckless, they are going to come down here and fucking pour cement in this whole bottom of the fucking internet. Really? So they deal in trading cards and things that are probably not in the mainstream is understanding oh you got hacked your stuff might already be under there your journals might already be fucking being passed jesus i want to go back and find my aol account and find emails i wrote to people yeah so i i I am certain i was unaware that they would ever come back like right i'm certain i said stuff like of course we all said fucking it's like but that was part of the allure of being a comic early on the shock the shock value so you know, it's ridiculous to look back and go, things that you wrote or said should not be weaponized against you, yeah. especially if you're a fucking comedian <laughs> and the whole gig is, let me say something to make you go, oh, holy shit. It's like, that's the whole fucking gig. That's the whole purpose. Me and Tom, were, Tom's the guy that's one of the producer in Austin, is, uh, is uh, his name's Enny, and he's a black dude. And we were, he was saying to us, he was like, so wait, you guys have said the n-word and tom and i were like yeah and he was like for real and we we're like <laughs> and i go any i think i said it in front of you once and he goes no and i went hold on i go did you think that you think that like he's like but you guys are good guys i'm like no we're not using the word we've said the word i said when i said it to snoop i said he's like you sing the n-word when you sing my songs and i go yeah you didn't know that and he was like well no i just but you wouldn't sing the word. You sing that. I go, Snoop, it's, I bought the fucking album. I go, it's in my car. You think I'm not going to sing the word? I go, you out of your fucking mind. I go, I'm definitely singing the word. I go, I'm not going to sing it in front of you. But like, but like, if did we, he, it was, was he okay with that? Ultimately, no, he was, did he, did he we, validate it with like, okay, I get it. No, he was, he was shocked. And then he, and we're like, and he's like, but you guys say it with a, with an A, right? With and, an A. And I yeah. was like, well, we've said it with an ER too. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, well, dude, it's just, I mean, it's like, and we were talking to him about it and he was blown away. He was blown away. Yeah. And the thing that. He was probably blown away that you're just being very candid and honest as he, well about it instead of like some people circumventing it and changing the subject. Yeah. And we, and we, but, and we know him very well and, and yeah. he's a friend of ours. And we were just going, we had, there was a, um, there was a there was a, a bit I had a, a bit I had about uh, where the n word was a punchline and it was a oh, it was a fucking good bit and uh, and and but you had to say the n word as a punchline and, okay. I, and I wasn't comfortable doing it I tried it a couple times and it just that word just is not a good word and right. so I, Andrew Schultz told me he goes uh, what you should do is just ch- tell everyone I have a bit where you gotta say the n word at the end but I, instead I'm gonna say pancakes when you hear me say pancakes that's what you're gonna. Uh, that's what. That's that, uh, that's the right. And I <laughs> did it on stage, and it murdered. Right. It murdered. And Tom goes, "That's great." And I said, "Yeah," but the problem was, everyone came up to me afterwards, and they were like, "Man, I had two pancakes sitting next to me," and I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> I was like, "I just," <laughs> and and, uh, yeah. and 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 Tom was like, "You're like, you want a picture?" Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great night. Take care you guys next yeah it was and i was like and my cousin andrew who you met was like well he heard that and he goes you're done telling that bit you never tell that fucking bit you're not gonna green light a is he it's a dog whistle you're giving him a new way to say say something horrible and i was like right 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 but again it's it's also like that that's a huge leap from i'm gonna i'm gonna explore something in the room that I feel like I can validate with you understanding where I'm coming from versus that clip that ends up as on a cell phone 
on a website in another discussion. Yeah. And then you're getting news reporters calling you saying, do you want to clarify? Clarify what? (laughs) The tag that I wanted to write that I left out? (laughs) The, uh, oh my God. The, um, did I bombed f- in front of Snoop one time. I remember I did the MTV, one of those, well, you know, one of the MTV yeah. whatever awards. And I remember Snoop was right after me. And this is like right around, everything was pretty white hot at the time, but I stepped in it fucking bad. It was like the, they were not there for me. It was not my gig. I had yeah. a jacket on that was too loud. You know what I mean? You try to like dress up a little bit like, I'm yeah. going to be fucking rock and roll tonight. I'm wearing like a fucking leather white jacket with a fucking red dragon on the back. And fuck. And I just remember... I just ate it. And I remember coming off stage and Snoop was literally walking out as, so he was watching the monitor and I'll paraphrase, but it was pretty much like, man, that was fucking terrible. Fuck. That was awful. (laughs) Paraphrase. Yeah. yeah. It was his version of that sucked. Like as we were passing each other and I was like, flops, flop sweat was just frozen (laughs) right here. I was like, have a good gig out there, man. They're fun. Like some weird bullshit that you just say just for the fuck of it. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. They're lively. You just fucking go into your dressing room and kick over a fucking fruit basket. Yeah. That, uh, does oh. it, was there a point when you started doing movies that you ever thought, I don't want to do stand up again? I just would rather act? Um, not that I never wanted to do stand up, but I, I started to understand why certain people that I wanted to emulate were tapping out and, and, and moving their, their fans in a new, you know, direction because Steve Martin. Yeah. Yeah. And Eddie, you know what and I mean? Eddie, like, yeah. And just understanding that, like, oh, at a certain uh, point, the, you know, live stand-up comedy. I mean, I was watching Jerry Lewis do live comedy at 88. It, it still killed. He still had his fans and grandkids and their grandkids. And yeah. they loved it. And he did the typewriter bit. And it, it, there's always a place for stand-up comedy. But I think I was also under the, I, I just was influenced at the idea of, like, you don't have to stay on top of this one form of entertainment media you can yeah. move that your ability into broadcast something like this broadcasting or into film or i love being behind the camera i i directed something i'm hoping to do more of that so it's still like always going to be cuz i love it quite simply i just love it i still wake up in the morning knowing fuck the laugh factory or gig or the wang or whatever yeah i am as excited to explore an idea but i'm also putting that energy into other things pretty much equally as the stand up these days yeah did did I want to talk about Mr. Brooks because um, that was a fucking great movie. It really was. I saw that on a plane and I was like, yeah. and I wondered. It was good. Because I've only acted in one thing, but. The the the, the recent one that you just yeah, did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I wanted to bring up, but I don't know if you're even probably allowed to talk no, about it at this point. Dude, how fucking cool, man. It was very cool. Dude. It was, it was very cool. Are you yeah. kidding me? I mean, for a number of re- the, the legacy, your story, all the work you put in, but then you're with fucking Mark Hamill, man. I know. I mean. <laughs> I'm not a bow down guy, bro, but fucking dude, that is legit. Like, congratulations, dude. Oh, thank you, man. I can't wait to thank see you. that, man. I, we, we've seen... Uh, Will it be sold on a blanket on a New York City street, do you think? I, I hope so. <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I purchase all... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I, no, dude, we've seen dope. two we've seen two cuts so far yeah yeah and, it and, gets, this, and, and wait sorry so this is your first acting or you did fun. something be- I mean, done, you're like, referring to this this is the acting okay. like the, we're, it's legit acting where, where I went right there's dramatic elements to it as well as some antics and fun and you know yeah and I feel like I leaned I felt it's funny what 
watching myself I there are certain things where I go oh I'm I want to act again because I now know what works well right and I go I could do that better and I want like a second swing at it you know um but but I wondered if if Mr. Brooks came easier to you than comedy because it allowed you to go to a place it it was it's almost like with comedy they're asking you to do something you do so naturally that you're like I don't know like sometimes you're like I walk in and say I, I'll say it, but I don't know right. if it's funny. But with I found that if you ask me to tap into emotion, I could deliver a performance much better than just trying to be funny. Right, especially since like film comedy or even TV comedy, unless there's an audience, it, it feels like the polar opposite of what we are. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, all this work is going to go into probably one editor who, if they're not. <laughs> into my fucking rat-a-tat-tat is going to yeah. be like let me cut it here before yeah. he takes that little weird breath where you're like no no the weird breath is what i need this <laughs> thing that does it that's the fucking thing to the yeah so I, I i wouldn't say it came easy because i did have these years early in my uh auditioning career where it was like i'd look back and i was like i was just revved up and they'd be like you're moving try to keep it you know keep it in your eyes and you're like well that's boring right because yeah. again live stand up to, you're playing at the back of the room and now suddenly you're just having to be like let me tell you something and it's like this is going to be funny how is this funny and interesting <laughs> yeah this feels but once i uh you know worked on that for a number of years with some great great you know teachers and stuff uh and when mr brooks came along that was all like kevin costner called me i was in albuquerque working on employee of the month and he was like i saw your uh tape he's like uh looks like you really put a lot of work into this and i was like and i immediately because i didn't want him to hang up with that i go i've already got a backstory for this character i i I, i'm I'm putting on some weight right after this i'm going to gain 30 pounds in like three weeks i'm going to chick-fil-a it for like three weeks i go i want to look like this i want to he's like you're you're legit you want to do this and he's like but once you're in the pocket with me he's like you know we we gonna bring the best out of each other for this and i was like hearing that from kevin costner i'm like i go i'm totally invested i go i promise you i'm not like a person who is going to try to be on stage every night and kind of sort of do it i go this will be my world with you for however many weeks in shreveport and he gave me the gig right on the phone really yeah yeah gave me the gig on the phone and uh i remember our first meeting sitting down with him and he was uh oh man it was so cool because this is field of dreams right this is fucking tin Tin cup. cup tin cup this fucking, fucking you know. wa- by the way Waterworld. i loved Waterworld. Yeah. i loved Waterworld, dude fucking uh, wyatt fucking erp is sitting in front of me okay and which that movie i probably that's in my top 10 most watched movies ever that i you know got on repeat so i'm sitting there with him and he's like we're talking about like you know the the ramp up and 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 full disclosure like bruce evans is the name of the director on the movie but it was really kevin I mean, Bruce was an amazing, you know, kind of confidant. And, but like Kevin came onto the set and was like, we're going to change this. Take another hour, move those lights there, move this. Like he wasn't in, he wasn't directing it by name, but he came in with all the ideas and knew how to set us up for like scene after scene. And the thing that was wild is that first conversation, he was like, we're going to get in there. We're going to like, we're going to improvise some stuff too, which I'd never known that you could do in drama, which is like, let's get in there and like, let's roll film on something that might be really dark and kind of sinister and see if we can, in our character, find something more and then ramp it. So he liked to improv, but dramatic. And then when we felt like we were really grooving five, six, seven minutes and they're rolling, they're rolling lights on cameras, everything. Then he'd be like, let's go. And we'd go right into the scene. But some of the stuff, really? yeah, all the car stuff, we're getting amped up. We're going to kill the first couple. Yeah, All that stuff, me getting amped, that's all improv. 
that's improv and then we cut right into the scene when the dialogue hits so it was the most gratifying experience to wow. work with somebody and i learned kind of like you said how you're watching and he let me watch things in real time so i was i was doing something that felt gratifying but i was also learning from one of the fucking legends of oscar-winning directing and yeah. dances with wolves and right by and watching scenes and this is why we want to do that again and i'm sure you had that same high of like i know i can do this better i know we can create a more dynamic moment pretty yeah. cool can't wait to see you performing that man it's uh yeah it should be it's it's good i, my, I mean i've watched it twice now and i'm i'm horrible because all i do is cry in the screenings <laughs> i cry and i mouth my own words <laughs> through the whole screen did you see were you ever doing it on screen are you a are you a um you ever do that shit oh no i don't i don't listen you're lucky very, i don't listen very well <laughs> there's some pretty well-known actors and actresses and you can see them kind of like especially with comedy because it's such a volley yeah that they know it's like i gotta double dutch it right here and you can see him kind of uh, there's there's <laughs> there's one scene where uh there's one scene where i you can tell i'm getting I, that i know mark's about to talk <laughs> because he go, he hasn't spoken and i've already turned my head <laughs> and, I, and, and i was like can we and they're like no one else knows oh, it and i go i can definitely notice it every show i watch i will if i'm sitting with you like i was watching only murders in the building which mm -hmm. is that new steve martin martin short uh on hulu yeah really great series by the way if you like a great murder mystery and martin short's fucking hilarious i mean really? they, they all are but Martin Short just like comes into scenes and you know he's improvising, but the script is so great. What's it called? It only murders in the building. And it's, in, it's on Hulu? It's on Hulu, yeah. I'm watching it today. But, but here's what I do. I watch and I'm, I'm enjoying it, right? I'm watching it as a fan. I can always tell when an actor looks down to find their mark. Oh my God. I did that the entire <laughs> fucking movie. They would go, great take. Bert, can you not look at your feet? I'm like, sure. <laughs> you have to sit in a chair and it's literally like this yeah let me tell you something <laughs> i did that right so much yeah that and you can tell sometimes i slide my foot to touch my mark yeah, yeah like yeah. to go like oh okay that's like yeah but <clears throat> yeah a lot of 80s movies uh you know whatever if you're watching like fucking dennis hoppers or a myriad of you know uh they're all smoking and the reason they smoke is they throw their cigarette down and crush it on their mark so they know oh, where to stop that's yeah brilliant here's another little fucking hack that i learned because i worked with betty white yeah. on the golden girls anytime you see them go like this and look into their cup or anytime they've got a sugar packet and their their lines are written on it really yeah betty was like we couldn't remember all our line changes so we would put them on paper in the mug and you see them go like this they'd be like oh blanche <laughs> and then they look and then they hit the fucking joke oh yeah shut up. i know i get a thousand of these i won't bore you like you know we'll no, I, there, like, there's there was... tons of little hidden things you can look for in these movies that are like oh that's they're reading their lines right oh, off the fucking crazy. desk no i had a weird i didn't i had a weird ability i did not know i had and that was to memorize lines very quickly okay and i and so uh it was somewhat frustrating i think to the other actors because they they change a scene and i i loved when scenes got changed i was like Oh, cool. That means that we're working on it. It means that, right. it's a, it, that everyone was up last night. That's right. So we get new and pages. It keep, and, and it's a little scary. And we like to be a little stand up. I, I like I like the I like the a little the, bit of like, yeah. oh shit, this might this might be tricky. And Mark and my other actor were like, yo, one of the one actor didn't English wasn't even her first language. So she's like, yo, oh, this wow. is like very I'm, i've got to learn how to say that. Well, she didn't say it like that. I'm yeah. sure she said it in her native native tongue. And then she was she is so fucking hilarious. She's one of the funniest human beings. Ah! 
I've ever and been And she's around. in your movie. She How great is, is it to say that? And it's like, and it's in my fucking movie. She's, and she is, she <clears throat> has no, what makes her, I mean, by look, I, I want everyone to see the movie, but what I love about her, I talked to her on the phone the other night with my wife. Um, she is hilarious and she, she did not know she was being funny. Uh, she had no clue that she was she was doing comedy at all right and she, and probably better and it's so much heart better and, and let so, it be in the writing yeah and if we could not stop laughing at yeah her. i taught her how to say like when we we first met we were hanging out in in you know serbia and we, there were just huge cultural differences and i taught her how to say these nuts i taught her that joke yeah and she was like it and just flat like huh yeah why is that funny and i said well it's just right. And, and then you realize maybe it isn't. Yeah, maybe it isn't. And then and I said, <laughs> and then I told her that you know, hey, you got a smatter baby on your shirt. And she goes, "What's a matter baby?" And I went, "I said nothing's a matter baby." And she goes, "I don't get it." And it was uh, it was fucking. She made me giggle so fucking hard. No Instagram. Yeah. No social media. And presence. is she like a big star in Serbia? Or she's like Croatian. more? Okay. Yeah. Got she's it. uh she's uh, but she, I think it's weird over there because things are done differently there. So like, I almost like you you go to the government and they give you a role oh uh, i'm sure that's not how it works but that's kind of how it was told to me okay and so uh but yeah she's great it was cool, it's man. fun to watch yourself but i i is there an eta on when do you think you, it might be out in the world or is it still i'm get i'm thinking like i i have no idea legendary was behind it too right yeah 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 Good work but then off. but I, i'd never had any interest in acting and then now i'm like oh i want to watch I want to work with certain people. Right. I want to watch people work. Yeah, that's uh, that's why I've enjoyed actually writing and being behind the camera a little more. And I and I've eased into that. But I'm gonna I I'm gonna do a full feature that I wrote over the last few years, probably next if I can, after the stand up special. I I just love that it's stand up is such a solo mission, right? Yeah. It's you. It's one time, and that's it till the next show. And then you look at like the puzzle of a film, and like okay, like a group of people and we've got we're, we have one story and everybody's parts as important to get to that you know edit bay where you're yeah. like it's all in here it's so fucking exciting it's man. interesting directing is something that i as this movie was very clear to me what i did want to do in the future and what i didn't want to do and directing is something i do not ever want to do really it is way too much it's it's way too much bandwidth like you have, there's so much you have to focus on right there's so much it's there such is. a job but you know what it also is every single person that comes to you with a question to to them that question is the most important part of their day yeah. they want to resolve something so you have to have equal interest and availability and energy all day for your actors for your crew for the ancillary things for that are everything. happening but you know what i fucking love it you know why really go let's bring it all the way back to the beginning of this conversation that pressure I don't have anxiety in that pressure. I'm better. My dad was an athlete. My dad, that's the one thing as his only son that he gave me that I can say is a true attribute. The pressure to perform when you're at the plate or when he yeah. was at the foul line or he was a boxer as well. He wasn't afraid to throw the hit. And that's where I think he felt most together. And as a performer, when I have that pressure on me, that's still where I'm at my most comfortable. So the directing and all that pressure it's exhausting, yeah. But I like it because I'm out of my head and I'm only focused on making. Something. I love, I love pressure. I love pressure more than anything. I my when I did Secret Time, I fucking tanked my first show. I tanked, <laughs> right. and uh, and and my buddy Tony who produced it was like, "Well, 
that's what we find out what you're made of, huh? And I was like, all right, let's do it. And it was just one of those things where it's like, where you feel like the ice skater who hits the fucking the mm. the trick. Right. And I and I feel like sometimes without the pressure, I'm a little bit meandering. Uh yeah. I, I feel like I I I but with directing, there was so much I didn't know about directing. Everything else, like I, I really, really could be a movie producer. I love producing. Right. It, that was fun. Where you just sit in the tent, watch takes, and you go, <laughs> and you go. Oh, I think, what if we had him? Like, there's this one scene where I, I told someone to do. So, I was like, I was like, hey man, maybe in your performance, like, like, do, I did, told him this thing to yeah. do, and he goes, really? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's coming. He doesn't see me as a producer. He sees me as a comedian right. and an actor, and, and so he does it, and it kills. Right. I, I like. I'm more proud of the things that I added in the movie. But that's where, why. That's why potentially, you know, producing, directing, it's like because you know how to talk to performers. Yeah. You know. Oh, I. You're I enthusiastic, love, and you know how to like talk about it from a place of creativity as opposed to like just a place of you're a piece of my structure. Yeah. You know, which always, may, I've done movies like that, and you kind of feel like, ugh. How many like, movies have you done now? wow I, I don't know um i mean that people saw that <laughs> that were legit like out in the world like you know i tend like 10 solid the movies first, the first one was employee of the month right? Yeah, employee waiting best friends girl mr brooks dan in real life uh, uh good luck Steve Carell, right? yeah and then a bunch of like side out of london like you know some good cool indies that like like a mr brooks that are you know, people still be like, hey, I just saw this movie you're reading. Like, yeah. all right, you just discovered that great. Um, but a, a bunch before I kind of stepped away from the thing that I stepped away from was when we talked about when you're derivative, when you're looking at your new comedy special, like my new my next special, I feel like is uh em, embracing all the things that I know are part of my legacy of what are funny over 30 years. Yeah. But I'm moving into a new territory. Yeah. That's exciting to me. I think that's ultimately where you make more new fans. And the fans that are like long term, they're gonna go along the ride, right? Especially if it's funny. They're even though at first they're gonna be like, "This is different." If it's funny, that's all that's, that's gonna all win matters, at yeah. the end. So it's like the movies that I by the time I got to my best friend's girl, I that was my favorite. We filmed it in Boston. I got to produce it in my hometown, and for a number of reasons, it just felt like this is the kind of thing I should be evolving towards. But then I wasn't getting good scripts. I was getting things that were gonna pay me. And yeah. I was getting things that were like, people would pitch it like this. It's kind of like good luck, Chuck, but now you're this. Or now you're time traveling, but you're, you're, and it was like, oh, but that's derivative of the last of few the things. things you'd, you'd already done. So do I want to cash grab? Um, no, because I could always do stand up. Stand up is going to always be there to like pay the, pay the mortgage if I need to fucking, you know, if I'm really like, I got to, I got to pay the fucking bills right yeah. now today. So it afforded me the chance to, say no to some things that I just wasn't as interested in. And even though a movie like uh, American Exit, which came out right before COVID, it's my best performance. Um, it's like a Mr. Brooks. It's compelling. It's a psychological thriller. It was not a box office anything. It really didn't even, I didn't even know if it got like a wide release. But I'd rather do roles like that and continue to grow that because I have stand-up when yeah. I need to get some shekels. But um, I didn't want to ever, just like the stand-up, I was on a path of like, 
all right, I'm going to do a bunch more movies like this, and then I'm never going to get a chance to do anything else because people will be like, dude, you did 15 of the same fucking thing. Yeah. Nobody sees you as anything else. By the way, I'm the exact opposite. I told Legendary I'd sign up for four more <laughs> machines, and I'll, I'll just do those Whoa, movies. Wait a second. That's different because you're producing something that's also based on you. Yeah. So, like, but that's all I want to like, do is stuff that's based on, on me. I know, I know, but that's you're in great company. That's trust me. That's a whole different thing than stepping into like somebody wrote this for me. Yeah, here it is. And yeah, I'm a producer on it. But like, like one of my last movies, uh, last comedies, like I wanted to be in the edit bay. I wanted to be there. I know my comedy voice. I had a director who basically shut the door on me and was like, I got it. I'll show you this pass when I'm done. Yeah. And I was like, that's I'd rather I look at I respect guys like Sandler, who has set himself up to go. I'm proving where my success is. And now I'm making the movies that I want to make with the people I want to make it with. I'm coming through for the bosses and the powers that be. That's the gig, man, right there. So yeah, Sandler's I, Sandler's setup is the is the goal. I'm I am content to to uh, be like lower level, doing things that I love, uh, uh, maybe less quickly than I'd like to. Yeah, for the sake of knowing when one of these things kind of like hits the zeitgeist again, people will at least be like, oh, thanks for not being a total fucking sellout, and now we can use you in more ways. And yeah. that's really the longevity of a career right it's so funny i never thought of longevity until like like i remember just thinking you i mean it this business started out as you for me you get an hour and then just tour that hour for the rest of your life right now it's like you get that hour you do it you never do that again never i mean what a waste <laughs> i have some some really good jokes that i just will never tell again that by the way i don't know if i can write better ones like i but there people can see them like once it's it's you 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 know got yeah. it on the album or that, great now you opens you up to some new story or whatever it is you know it, we were talking about this yet me and tom were talking about it yesterday about there's jokes i have that i really like i'm well you know when you you know when you crack a joke and you go when you when you crack the code and you go oh shit I, that fits perfectly that ending right i didn't even see that at the beginning i fit and it, and you go whoa yeah and then for the can't next wait to do it again for, can't wait for the next month uh, you get excited to start the joke yes. and then you're like knowing where it's going and knowing the thunder knowing that you're gonna get to take a sip of your drink when you're done with yeah. it because they're gonna be losing their fucking mind it's my favorite i have like and then i and then i was i was like i was like tom goes like what's joke i go i don't remember any of them i couldn't tell you that i was like i got a great deodorant time travel joke that i yeah i loved that joke i love this joke it was two different jokes and then i got drunk in calgary and i fucked it up okay and i and i told i told the wrong part at the wrong time uh, and but in the middle of doing that i realized oh i could just get rid of this junk and turn it into so one happy joke. accident turned it into one bit and they i got a, it was an applause break an yeah. applause break and i was like what and I got done, and this kid, I wish I knew who this kid was. I really do. If you're this kid that worked with me in Calgary, <laughs> hit me up. The guy was so fucking talented, so funny. He'd only been doing stand-up four years, but his insights were like that he'd been doing it 20 mm. years. And I said, I said, that fucking, he goes, that fucking deodorant time drop joke is amazing. And I was like, yeah, they clapped. And he goes, yeah. I said, but I, I've never had anyone clap. He goes, no, we, we knew it was over. And I was like, what? And he goes, when it was done, and we, we were like, yeah, that was good, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Right. And I was like, oh. And then, and then I got a little nifty and every <laughs> joke had a, uh, and thank you. <laughs> and this is my dismount. <laughs> How about when you have a great bit 
that you never recorded anywhere and then you forget it for like years and then one day you say something that's similar to the joke and you go wait a second i have a bit of holy shit <laughs> and you remember a chunk that you might have just like lost along the way that happened to me i was going to shoot my special before the pandemic i've had two start and stops which sucks because that's why even like the the tickets for october 29th and 30th people are like is this gonna be legit this time because i pandemic and one other start and stop and it's like if it if i hadn't had the pause i wouldn't have remembered this piece from like four years ago that i was like that's the one thing that i want at the center of all of this yeah so this one thing that wouldn't have been there had i done it last year is now going to be the center of the new set oh. and i'm i'm even more i'm like we're in that i can't wait to say it yeah i get so yeah. excited and i did the wang uh end of 18 2018 or beginning of 19 and that is such a great fucking venue especially for like anything kind of like long form it's it's awesome that that gig is is killer see i was i mean i, I remember thinking i remember it's so funny i remember thinking when you were like you did your second theater you did one or not theater second arena tour right and i remember thinking god man if i was him I would do this. I would do that. Like I'd go to, I'd go to Boston, be there for a month and just be at the, be at the Wilbur every single night. And then you, like, I've never done an arena tour, but you start going, oh yeah, that, now I know why he definitely didn't do that. Like you just want to also live a life. Like it's funny, all the things I would watch you do. Yeah. No one was really doing what you were doing. And I'd be like, man, if I was him, I would, I'd drop into the fucking every club every night. And I was, and now I'm, you can't get me to do a spot. After the second arena tour, right after yeah. that that whole era it was like 2010 11 we're going through housing crisis i'm going through all that stuff we yeah. don't need to get into my brother i had come off of 12 straight years of never having any time for myself because i put everything into always the the schedule or or performing or my relationships my family time everything yeah was almost like Wow, I'd given so much to this that I need to kind of gr like grow and understand like really where am I at as a fucking man as a human being and so I was content at that moment to be like I did everything I I, I did it I did that yeah. and I know everybody's going to go like is he going to keep doing it what's next is it going to get bigger is it going to and for me it was like no I I explored this I'm happy with how I you know uh accomplished it but now I'm taking some time for myself. And when I gear back up, it'll, it'll be at the right time to hopefully catch a new wave. It doesn't need to be a wave that big. If it yeah. gets that big, great. You know, we'll figure it out when we get there. It won't be the same, but it'll be something exciting because I'm enjoying a new endeavor. But I also think when I look back, you know, it's like I didn't have a playbook and a welfare kid from Boston was suddenly the biggest comic in the world in the flavor of a decade, not just a month. Yeah. I ran it for a fucking decade and, and knew when it's when this part's over, I should I should just be like, thank you very much, everybody. That's my show. Yeah. And go on to the next whatever that might be. Oh, I I, I told Leanne, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, yeah. I told Leanne, I go, I she's like, You're 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 killing yourself. Like you're like I but I tour I tour, tour really aggressively where like I get on the bus October sixth. And I come home October 29th and we're doing shows every single night. Right. And the two nights off, I fly into Austin to podcast uh, twice in October. And then I have three days off in October is technically. And I said, Hey, listen, this isn't going to last forever. It doesn't, no one, 
there's going to be a, a time when when ticket sales drop and I go and when that happens I want to be cool with it right. I want to be like hey awesome guys yeah. I'll stick out my podcast I'll be in a I'll, I'll do some guest starring roles and, I, and I'll still do stand-up I'll do some smaller venues and I'll do you know whatever but like I go you just gotta and I I, I that's interesting that you say that that you that 10 years you went all right totally and, and could you could you you, you I remember is, are you in the same house you bought that yeah mm, yeah can, can you enjoy that house can you sit and go like like yeah <laughs> yeah i love my home yeah yeah it's it similar to the apartment that you came and hung with me is the greatest apartment uh, there was a that was the greatest apartment yeah in the world right there was no Barry Katz, I was driving up. Uh, I I don't talk good enough about Barry Katz often enough because he was a very in, in, who's my manager at the time. He was both of our managers, and yep. he was so instrumental in f- setting a foundation for how I was going to look at this business. And he did so many good things. But one of the things he said is, "There's two types of people, Papa. There's people <laughs> who get an apartment out here and get a cheap car and they sock it away and they're just here for a little bit. They go back to New York, and then there's people like Dane." And Dane wants to enjoy his life. He's got a great car, and his apartment is amazing. Got to pick which one you want. And I remember going like, "I want to be like Dane." Like I, because, and then I went to your apartment. I mean, can you tell it to Halston? Halston has never been to this apartment. Can you explain the building, explain the location, and yeah. explain the apartment? This apartment was so fucking great. Southwest corner, Crescent Heights and Fountain. The building was ninety some odd years old, and it was like the oldest edifice in West Hollywood for you know, that almost a hundred years, the building had every walk of life in the entertainment industry come through it. Steve Martin lived in the building. Tarantino lived in the building. Bette Midler lived in the building. The Kennedys had a suite where they used to bring broads up when he was Jack and John were gallivanting around this building. Belushi was my apartment before Bette Midler. Ready? Belushi. He, he had it passed away up the street, obviously. But that was his apartment when he passed away. Then Bette Midler. And then I was the next person after a brief. My my good friend Richard stayed in there, held the apartment, and then I got it from Richard. The ceiling in the living room was 30 feet high. And it had the original wood carvings from 100 years ago going across the top. Nine. It looked like uh, when you see like a, a Viking ship. And it's like this beautiful carved like, you know, woman structure over the... That was all across a 30-foot French uh, windows with the with the, the the blinds, you know, those, uh, the rickets, right? Every single room in this apartment had, like, a feeling in it that you weren't in L.A. One felt like you were looking out the back and you were in New York City. Then you go in the living room with the high ceilings. You felt like you were in, like, the salt of France. It was fucking magical. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with a deep desire to play blues music, which I'd never played before. And I swear it was the whole Belushi energy that was in that place. I kept the walls painted that he had painted blue black that Bette Midler had actually kept. So Belushi had painted the walls himself. The landlady said everything about this place was magical. When I moved in, I could not afford it. I was in, what was it? What, how much was it? Uh, it, it was like $3,200 a month then. Wow. How many bedrooms? Yeah. Uh, master upstairs. So stairway up oh. bathroom downstairs. There was a bedroom that I turned into an office. That's where we would yep, hang in. Yeah. 
and then a little dining room. There was actually a dining room, and then the kitchen, and then the the back back uh, balcony or whatever. And then the living room was just like you just want to be in it all the time. Yeah, it was fucking when the sun was coming through. You just stand in the fucking sun of a thirty foot window. Thirty two. Okay, thirty two hundred, dude. I could not afford this place, and yet I knew if I live here, it I'm going to work harder. It's going to bring everything out of me because I want to stay. I ended up living there for ten years before I bought the house that I'm in now. The house that I'm in now had the same kind of. It spoke to me in the same way that apartment did. Of like, I need this. This is where I need to create the next part of my life from. But it, it it's funny because I went through there recently because Richard still lives in the building, my good friend, and that apartment was empty. And so I walked through it and was like, wow, man, cool. everything happened from that apartment. A lot of things changed in my life, you know, mostly good in that in that place. That, that apartment. Yeah. I remember it was you, like an old manor. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I remember you telling me that that apartment had good energy and it was good luck and you didn't want to ever leave it. And I, it's like funny the little things you hear because I, I'm a firm believer in luck. I believe in luck, hardcore, and I'm the luckiest guy in the world. But my house that we lived in for the I mean, you, the other house, that man cave was was good luck. Right. And I, and I, and I, and I, I wanted to, uh, I so badly wanted to like, and I, might, I know this is stupid, but I wanted to find a young comic that just started his family and be like, hey, let me help you out. Like, Let's 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 build some more right, luck. right, 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 and then like just give it to him and go. But you got to give it to another guy. Got it. Like you get you get your kids into high school. Once you get into high school, you got to get out, man. Got to get. Yeah, but you, there's no way you can do that. Lands like you're not giving that to fucking anybody. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's right. like what do you? This is how you we accrue wealth. We're trying to retire, motherfucker. But that idea of like being in some place that you're a little you're in a little over your head. I'm a firm believer that the universe you yeah. need, you need to keep things moving. I don't believe that for whatever reason, the energy that's around us, uh, I don't think you can sit and go, I'm just going to sit here and protect myself. You could go, if I just stay in this, everything's set up, something in the universe, something in the world will finally be like, ah, guess what? There's, there's a swamp under here. We got to move you. We got to, yeah. you got to keep, keep moving. You got to keep like, I, like, yes, I believe in luck, but I also believe like all the work that you put in created a moment where when luck found you. It was like okay, you're ready. Got the goods. It's it was you know what it is is I uh, I didn't realize this and I and I talked I talked with Joe about this. I used to get upset when I'd hear people talk and Kevin Hart's the guy I'm talking about. Uh, I, I would get upset when Kevin Hart would talk about how hard he works. I was like, I was like, yeah, but you got like I remember thinking you got to be lucky. There's so much luck. Oh yeah, because if you don't hit that zeitgeist yeah. and that's a lot of luck and that's a moment where everything's kind of like we're interested in that. Yeah, then you're right. You're I didn't, not, I didn't. All the hard work isn't going to be shown. I didn't realize how hard he has to work to do what he's doing. Right. I don't think I. I don't. I didn't. It was an ignorant viewpoint for me to look at him and right and and to not applaud his hard work. So I was like, because once you do a movie and have a tour, <clears throat> just those two things, a tour and a movie, right. and just those two things. That's a that's a tremendous amount of work that goes into those two things, right? Promoting those dates, doing this movie, uh, producing a movie, going to all that, and I was like, and I just was like, I think I don't know what I said last night, but I'm pretty sure I said something I'm Joe. to the effect of <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> can, can I side item also say because it's so easy to skip past like when I was doing everything in the beginning, there was Joe. Joe was one of the only other people that I went on my, uh, MySpace route. Joe had the most ballsy fucking website. So I think sometimes Joe gets overlooked at the beginning. Obviously, where Joe yeah, is. I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a fucking mogul. But 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 he had, all, you know, 
he'd had the success from news radio and fear factors yeah but there was me early myspace and uh playing on pc would we play quake through arena rogan and i would play you know certain video games that we would play but his website was fucking he always had his forum and he always had, he already had like the alien thing with the he was he was another person that kind of saw the forest through the trees. Yeah. I think I was fortunate, like the social media aspect spoke to me more Yeah, at that time. But uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for early adopter. You, him, and Stanhope were my three websites I'd go to. That's right. That's right. You, Fuck him, Doug and too, man. Doug was. And I, and Doug, Doug was on there quite a bit. Yeah. Doug had a amazing <laughs> blog. An he amazing did. blog. Wow. I, fucking I, I would about read those all the time. Him and Joe, they would they would write blogs and they'd be beautiful and they'd be yeah. like, and 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 then I remember Travel Channel asked me to do a blog and I went fuck yeah and it was so not what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> like I was fucking like I was definitely cutting from that same cloth as they were. But like Stan Hope's blog was like was like must have must read for me. I remember when he wrote a blog one time. I think about this all the time. He got in trouble. Um, he got in trouble uh, at a at a comedy club for making some lady complained yeah. and sent him the complaint. Okay, and he posted her complaint and his reply. And his reply was, "Ma'am, I am just as upset as you are uh, about that performance. <laughs> when I got the script for the show, I didn't want to tell any of those jokes, but the manager told me oh that God. you have to read the script verbatim." Or I wouldn't make my money. And then the woman wrote back, I knew it couldn't have been you. Oh my well, God. I'm going to file a problem with a bet. Like his just mischief, yeah. mischievous ideas of comedy were so. And uh, prolific, you know, e even early on for what kind of his identity was, you know, on stage, you know, people looked at Stanhope then and rash and the fucking, the beer with the cum finale yeah. and the whole thing. <laughs> and yet his blog writing, his writing was really like sharp. Oh, I mean, it is to this day. I think, yeah. I think he is like, you know, in, in a, in a lane, all his own, which is a great lane to observe. Yeah. But back then, man, I, I, it makes me want to go back and read some of his stuff. Cause you'd be like, fuck man, he is a savvy, smart motherfucker. Really smart. Like yeah. really, really his writing, his book. Is one of my his writings are some of my favorite. I love his yeah. books, and he's just such a and he's and he, you know, I I there's two types of people, and I think I think me me you Stanhope Rogan are in this group of like true comic spirits, meaning like you're in, you're always thinking about silly, you're always thinking about the right. funny. I remember calling Doug up one time. I go, "What are you doing?" And he goes, well, "I'm having a grapefruit and vodka, and I'm trying to write knock knock jokes." <laughs> and I go, "What?" And he's like, "I don't know. I figure we could be able to do that, right?" And I was like, oh yeah, man, I can sit in my backyard and just write knock knock jokes. <laughs> and just and I and all my knock knock jokes were horrible. But um, but it's 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 such a like it's such a to go back and look at what you and Joe and Doug were my three websites I'd go to right. is, is and Jim Jim Norton, eatabullet.com. That's and right. I never forget right. that. I'll never forget that. What about cringe humor? Remember all that that stuff too? I met all those they yeah. hated them. They hated me. They hated you. They hated Gary Goldman. Yeah. They hated, they hated everyone. And, and I love, and I loved that because it was at that, at that era at being kind of like the, the bell of the ball yeah. and yet knowing the comedy spirit and all of us is like, no, we got to go back to a table and talk shit and be fucking like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody should be celebrated as much as at a certain point. <laughs> so I go to cringe humor 
and read all that shit. Oh man, just to be like, oh, these motherfuckers are coming at me. It was. I kind did of last. I did last comic standing too, and they, they destroyed me. And then I met them all. I know yeah. them all. They're all. I think yeah, they, Patrick and all those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Good and then dudes. You, you meet them, and they're good dudes. And yeah. they're like, yeah, sorry about that, man. Yeah, they were just. They were. If you think about it, they were the early version of like. Hey, we're taking a new path. We're not stand-ups in the traditional sense. Yeah. But we are interested in in uh, obtuse ideas and words. And so that cringe humor stuff was like their next kind of the next generation of like using the internet to get your whatever point you're trying to get across. Yeah. And they were they were doing that. It was oh. that was a wild fucking wild, wild west page but it was a lot of fun that cringe i haven't thought about cringe yeah yeah, yeah. But it's so funny that well, he said norton and they eat a bullet and it was like and then he had yellow uh it, it was um yeah yeah, it, yellow, it, like discipline. yellow yellow discipline oh my god that that whole era man was fucking wild it wow was, it was crazy yeah. because i i remember seeing cringe wow. gary goldman yeah hit me i, I was on the top 10 worst comics of all time cringe humor list gary goldman <laughs> if i'm not mistaken wrote them a letter of course he did. Them. <laughs> Gary Goldman <laughs> is one of the fucking funniest dudes. When you know him as a friend, there's certain he goes, he called me, he called me the, the, the one time. Well, I made a very unwise decision. I said, What's that? He goes, well, I'm, I'm done drinking coffee. I go, why? He goes, Well, got a little jacked up on coffee and decided to give Comedy Central a call. Oh. I go, what? He goes, why they hadn't given me a half hour yet? And I go, Gary. He goes, I, I don't know what got over me. He goes, Bert, it seems so simple at the moment. Just going, yeah, why would, wouldn't I call them? If, if you'd want a job, you'd say, hey, I'd like to apply for this job. And it, uh, he is, yeah. he makes me laugh. And I love what he's doing right now. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He but really there's does. also a, uh, a dagger on the other sleeve that he's <laughs> just as willing to. Oh, what he's doing now, it's like, I mean, talk about somebody who, who had different um uh his his voice to what his stand-up was when he first did the first tonight show and and yet like where he's grown into becoming oh, yeah. more oh, like personal yeah it's amazing it's ama it really is amazing and i and i you know he was the first person that was honest with me about mental health mm. like where he was like we were in houston and he told me this is what i'm dealing with he was had everything at the time he was yeah. like on he was on last comic standing he was the he was selling anywhere he went and right. and he was just super honest with me and i was like i was like I didn't grow up around guys that were honest about shit like that. Right. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I remember him calling me one time after, you know, he'd been in a a pretty, you know, tough spot. And I remember that conversation being with a man, one of the most personal, real revealing conversations. Yeah. Because he had shared something with me. And 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 I mean, the fact that he then figured out a way to to merge his truth with where his standup was going is like that doesn't happen very often man where somebody can really like grow right into their act in such a pure way it, usually it's like oh fuck i want to get all the way over there are they going to go with me but he has literally grown into like that present performer that we're talking about the next special should be about what you want to talk about right now yeah what's i just dawned on me what a fucking fab five you came out you got your starting class your your freshman class yeah is Bill Burr, uh, Patrice, Patrice O'Neill, Bobby Kelly, Gary Goldman. I mean, technically, Rogan's just a little bit older than you guys. He was in our graduating class in front of us, but we were gigging with Joe. He but was that, that hammering five it right there mm -hmm. is like, I mean, it's inarguably five of the best comics working. I think that that 
we knew that the door was closing on the comedy scene. And I think that you had a bunch of us and there were others that, you know, unfortunately sometimes life gets in the way, but we were um, grateful that we still had some of the boom of the eighties hanging. There was stage time, but I think we all kind of got that feeling like if we don't figure it out here in the next few years, and then this boom kind of finally ends and all these places were starting to slowly close, we might never get out of here. And there were other people that had never gotten out of there. And so we, it was incumbent upon all of us to, be like, come on, man, fucking do better. What the fuck? What are you doing? I remember watching you, uh, you know, I remember watching you in L.A. And you're the first person I ever saw that I go. I keep bringing it back to ice skaters. But remember, like, when sometimes when you watch an ice skater, you're like, I hope they don't fall. You're the first person I ever watched. I was like hitting the person next to me like, oh, by the way, he's not going to fall. This is going to be fucking amazing. You're the first person. And then I remember going back to New York and working the door at the Boston and and seeing you at the boston and i was like well everyone falls in here and you did this thing that was the fucking funniest got there was there had been a hole in the ceiling that everyone (laughs) everyone made a joke about and then you go what is up there and it it was like a dead dead room and you just walked up and be like, hey, still tell the joke. You go, what is up there? And do you remember that you put your hand up there and you went, and I, everyone thought something got you. And we were crying. And all of a sudden, you took a dead room and was something silly. And I went, fuck, he never falls. I remember committing to the whole thing a couple, I, I, you know, after that, I was like, yeah. all right, that's a go-to. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I always committed so hard, like performance-wise, that I would leave there sore because I fucking overcompensated <laughs> yeah. and tightened all my muscles or, you know, slipped a disc or whatever I did. But that's the whole thing about like, I got to figure out a way to make something real and funny happen right now. SD at the comedy cellar. I remember the first night she put me on. She's like, honey, one thing, just don't touch the pipe. There was that old pipe that used to be at the comedy cellar <laughs> yeah. that hung right over the stage. Yeah. I fucking grabbed it. Next thing you know, she comes in, I'm upside down hanging on it. <laughs> and she was either going to hate me for life for that. Or yeah. thank God, she the best hug I ever got in my life was when SD hugged me and said, you come here now and like welcomed me really like with the most like loving New York City is welcoming you kind of hug. Yeah. And uh, I was really thankful. But I made sure all those sets counted every single set late. The night's rock would bump me. I got bumped by rock quite a bit. I'm sure we all did. Like he'd yeah. pop in and, you know, OK, great. I'm going to be on later. You, you had to make every single one of those sets count if you wanted to be in the long game. I I th- I was in Hawaii. I was selling tickets. Um, I was selling tickets. I I I don't think I had done a Netflix special, but I think the machine had gone viral, and I and I was selling tickets. I, any club I was going to was going to sell out. And I was in Hawaii at the time, obviously. And I was in Hawaii with my family, and I was going to do DC th- that weekend. And I'm sitting on the beach in Hawaii, thinking I'd already sold out all the clubs that I my whole year was sold out. All the yeah. tickets were already sold. Wow. And I was in like, Hawaii. And, and I'm know. in Hawaii celebrating with my family. We're in Maui. And I get a text from Esty. And I started, and she said, uh, I, I, I wonder if I still have it. I, it was a text from Esty. And she said, Can you do Friday, Saturday at the Wah? Hi, I'm Esty from the Comedy <laughs> Cellar. Robert Spikes speaks very highly of you. Aww. Says you need to be headlining our room in Vegas. Or at the Rio on Wednesdays. He also says you're on vacation, so instead of calling you, I'm texting you. Uh, he also, you also are more than welcome to work our club in New York. Uh, and I'm sitting, and then, and then, Hawaii. and then. By the way, by the way, this is like, I mean, 
I mean, you could. I'm not going to read mine. It's so embarrassing, but it's okay. like it's clear. Hi, Esty. It's such a big. I think I said oh, something about no. Yeah, my response is yeah, like yeah, yeah. is like. It, but I remember being on the beach in Hawaii. I I'm 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 and I just start crying. I go I'm 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 past to the seller. Right. And my wife's like, "Honey, of course you are. You're fucking selling to." And I, and I go, "No, no, 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 no." Esty just said that I'm I should be working. <laughs> and then she and then Leanne's like, "You don't you you're already doing Vegas." And I go, "I might cancel it to do the uh, the seller." And right, and, the, right, and then right. go and then I and then I was like, "I need to get to New York." She was like, "Why?" I go, "I got to work the fucking seller, babe." And she was like, could not understand it i was right. like you don't know this is fucking esty yeah and then i ended up calling her and talking to her from the beach and can i tell you my version of that which is you know kind of the same way you ping my heart with because that's i love that you have that by yeah. the way that's awesome for me it was um so mitzi never saw me at the store and paulie called me up one day and said um my mom just did something that she never does totally unprecedented and i said what's that and he said um and also, I think like the word was out that my parents were ill, but my special was vicious circle was blowing up. And yeah. yet the word on the street was that I was dealing with some hardship. Um, and Paulie goes, my mom passed you without seeing me. He goes, and she's only done that one, I think one other time. He said, so you're, you're a paid regular at the comedy store. Per my mom, you're invited here anytime you want. Anytime you want to come through, we'd love to have you. And they knew also too, like, you know, the factory would give me a shot. The factory was putting me up weekends when, you know, nobody yeah. else was, you know, gave a fuck. And so I did say to Polly and I was like, oh, my God, like I wrote this beautiful long email that I said, give me your email. I want to, you know, and I never got to thank her personally. But it was that that moment of like th being recognized that the work went to the comedy seller, right? The heart yeah. and soul of comedy the same way in some ways you could say like that. And of course, the factory and to be reached out like that through Polly uh, from Mitzi was like. I'll never forget that feeling. I could have had everything booked in the world. Yeah. But if she said, can you come down on a this Wednesday? It's like, yes. It's amazing that like you can have everything in the world. You could sell out all your shows at the Wang. And then all of a sudden you get like a text yeah. from someone that matters to you in right. comedy. And you're like, like I'm, I'm. and by the way, what's so funny is so funny is I think I ended up talking to, to Esty on the phone. Gnome had Gnome. I'm saying the right name, right? Gnome was yeah. her, her brother. Mm-hmm. A gnome had passed me like 10 years before. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, but I was never, but the fact that it was SD texted me, was like, like the statute of limitations has ended on this gnome. And I got, now I got repassed. But a gnome passed away and I, I couldn't like go to, just so you know, one of the things your brother said before he passed was, hey, you're passed also. <laughs> And I was like, oh, oh, fucking, oh, that's crazy. So wait, have we been doing two hours? Okay, hold on. We should, we should wrap this up. I want to talk, you're, you're going to the Wang, you're doing your new yes. special, you're, you're shooting it. October 29th and 30th, the tickets are actually on sale now. And I want people to know because the tickets this time were like a little start and stop because of the two pauses before. The show yeah. is happening. I'm filming my next special. So Do you know what you're wearing? Do I know what I'm wearing? Yeah. yeah, I actually have a couple outfits in in mind. <laughs> That's the that is the most stressful thing that yeah. I don't have to. Worry I had about. to think I don't of that have earlier to worry about it at all. I already knew earlier before even sec decoration or whatever the fuck. I was like, okay, I pretty much know what I want to wear um, because of the same exact thing. I would. I'm like, that would my sneaker thought would be like, what am I wearing for fucking sneakers? 
Um, but 29th, 30th tickets uh, on danecook.com now or Ticketmaster or whatever. But I cannot wait, man. I'm excited. Dude, congratulations. I, I can't, I'm, I, I'm so Congratulations I'm so, to you, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I thank Dana. I'll tell you very candidly. Um, the the fact that that i can call you my friend and and is is a real honor because i remember showing up to la and watching you you were the one person that just redefined what we were doing and that you were doing things at such a different pace than all the other racehorses that i remember going like fuck like and i remember thinking thinking i'll never i'll never that that's that's too fast <laughs> i'll never do that and i and and i'm i will say that i don't one moment of my promoting myself or what how i run my business i don't tip my hat to you because you changed the game dude and and we are all still stealing from you like consistently oh, so thank you it means a lot to hear from you and and uh i'm really proud of you man you know from all the way back to howard johnson's in Times square and that <laughs> yeah. original rolling stone article and yeah I mean, it all, it all, as Johnny Carson once said, there's going to be a time in your life and in your career where it's all going to matter. Everything you've ever learned is going to come into one moment and one, in, in, in one time. And you really did that, man. You waited for your moment, luck, luck, and you were prepared for it. So honestly, thanks for having me. Thanks for shooting the shit, dude. And uh, I hope we get to do it again soon. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.